It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Here, Drag Illustrated Magazine checking in. It is Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. Good to have you. I want to remind you guys, first and foremost, today's show and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Stroud Safety, Elite HP, Redline Oil, and Flow Racing. Of course, our friends at Sand Haulers of America, please make sure and support the folks that support us, bring you this show, Drag Racing's The Conversation in Drag Racing, every Wednesday afternoon. Thank you so much to all of our partners and everybody involved with this whole program. How you guys doing, man? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful Wednesday to talk about drag racing. We are fresh off the NHRA Gator Nationals, a wet and windy NHRA Gator Nationals in Gainesville, Florida, a whale of a weekend for the sport of drag racing, in my opinion, despite some troubles, despite some issues, despite some rain, some torrential rain, for that matter, despite some tough conditions, it was an incredible weekend for the sport of drag racing. I couldn't be more proud. We're going to discuss that today. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Wednesday, this Wednesday, of course, whether you're watching on YouTube, following along on Facebook, listening to the to the show after the fact via any of your favorite podcast platforms, we surely appreciate you being here. We really do. It means the world to us. And honestly, I don't think it would be the same. We've got a lot of ground to cover in a relatively short amount of time today. Let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts, the ones and onlys, Mike Carpenter. What's going on, buddy? And JT Murder Tundra Hudson. Yo. I, I can't uh, stop calling you Murder Tundra, dude. I really... I think you're going to have to, how about this new Toyota truck? Now that we've got this new Toyota truck, right? This new one with the twin turbo V6 coming out. I mean, I'm getting ready to get us a sponsor right here and now, but with this <laughs> brand new truck in the, in the, um, what's the word, the hangover kind of dupe yeah. commercial. I think you may have to go trade in the, the Murderado for, I think I'm going to have to, they've been, they've been calling. Yeah. I, man, Toyota's support of drag racing. You got to support them back. Don't you I think? Tried, I, mean, I tried to, man. I mean, I, I want to ask you, you guys right now. Time. You gave up you, right at the wrong time. If you I look did. at the sport right now, do you see anybody like from a major auto manufacturer that's really supporting the sport of drag racing at the level that Toyota is? I mean, listen, God bless know. everybody that, that, that has contributed to our sport over the years, not trying to make light of anything, obviously, and not trying to take sides here. But I have to say that between the Toyota Supra, funny car body, between just the trackside support, the being at the races, all these deals with different race teams, all the support vehicles I see. I mean, it's it's as if every top fuel and funny car is towed by a, a Toyota SUV. And they're running a lot of uh, you know their commercials, and um, it seems like it seems like there's a lot of drag racing content that they're spreading across other motorsports yeah, platforms as big. well. And I that's, think that's uh, huge. You that cross pollination like, is important. Mm -hmm. Right. Like getting and you got to you got to love a sponsor, a brand that sees things that way. I mean, we I know we beat the Red Bull horse a lot around here at Drag Illustrated and we, we go back to that, but we do it for good reason. It the, right. Be the Red Bull bull. It might be the Red Bull bull. <laughs> it's a little bit of a mouthful, but we do. And I, I use them as a as a reference or a, I use it to make analogies all the time what they do. But I love the way Red Bull comes in and kind of takes ownership 
of a sport, whether it's the air races, whether it's uh, IndyCar or excuse me, Formula One, whether it's uh, uh, like the what's the deal where they go down the the hill in the soapbox derby cars, whether it's that. I mean, anything that cliff diving, motorcycles, shootouts, I mean, three on three basketball tournaments, everything Red Bull touches they, they wrap their arms around it. They get aggressive about making it theirs. And I got to be honest, I'm not saying Toyota's going that far yet. I hope they do. But to your point, Mike, I can you can sense that they are really trying to, to pull drag racing into like the things that they are known for being involved in, which is, it still is as much as I appreciate it, right? It's fantastic and it's awesome for all the reasons we just stated. It is weird, especially not seeing Ford, Chevrolet, Dodge yeah. necessarily do the exact same thing. Well, Dodge is strong. I mean, Dodge is strong. They've got Dodge their is strong. Support in the Nitro uh, deal and have been out there for quite a while. But the Ford Chevy deal is kind of perplexing, right? I mean, it's like yeah. every, especially Chevy, every, I mean, nine, it seems like nine out of 10 drag cars are a GM product. And to not have uh, Chevy or, or any other GM uh, manufacturer out there outside of the Copo stuff, um, and, and Ford's involved in that too. We got to see those guys get back in there. I know that they're involved with uh, with Force uh, and you know a uh, Ford's involvement uh, with Tasca, but it's this is uh, you know it, it's kind of a a black eye on the whole situation, especially Pro Stock. I I would love to see some factory support come back in Pro Stock. And this is going to be a fun segue, and it's going to work. And uh, JT on the ones and twos today, running show producer. Why don't you go ahead and make everybody large and in charge, so I can see your eyes. I want to I want to see the fear in your eyes when I talk to you guys. But no, uh, thank you for that, buddy. Uh, I, I Pro Stock in many ways this past weekend, you know, trying to tie this conversation back into the NHRA Gator Nationals. Just watching this weekend unfold, like a really Saturday, Mike and I were down there on the scene, um, excuse me, Sunday afternoon, elimination day at the Gators. We were there both days, but I really tried to force myself into the mindset, the vantage point, the experience of a fan. We, we found ourselves down along the thousand foot mark or so on the pit side stands with some longtime friends uh, of the show, Friends of Drag Illustrated, some guys we had just met in person for the first time. But we went down there and I thought, you know what? This is going to be a great opportunity to like watch drag racing and look at this from a different because you can get jaded real quick. You get spoiled real That's quick. That's a great vantage point being down there. Like it's I said, a it's spectacular spot who's to watch never a drag been, race. I love to take them to the top end and watch these cars, watch the speed, especially the fuel cars, obviously. But even the pro stocks and pro yeah, mods. I mean, I think, other, and I think to, pro stock kind of. I mean, listen. Don't hear, get me wrong. Hear them run through the gears. Yes, that's my point. Yeah. it's a you can really sense it down there, right? And it's. You're right. The sense of speed and those top fuelers and, and funny cars blowing by you. It's stunning. But I I truly think pro stock, as far as just delivering incredible side-by-side drag racing, one after another, after another, after another, I'm just reminded that this really is an incredible thing that we've got going on here. NHRA pro stock right now is lit. Yep. And it does, you know, kind of circling back to where we started this conversation it kind of makes me crazy that Chevrolet doesn't have like six team cars. I mean, when I say team cars, I'm talking about factory support, factory support, the way we see it in like motocross, you know, where they, they're motor, motor, fielding motor a team, yep. you know, Ford is fielding a team. Dodge is fielding a team. And I understand obviously the engine platforms you know, and some factory, of the nuances. You always want to get to that factory team, you know, like, yeah, right? that's the goal. And right? if you like, beat them, until you get on that. Yeah. You beat you know, them and, and it, you're like, <sighs> yeah, you slayed the giant. Right. I think so. And I, I understand that there can be some downside to that. I think part of the beauty of Pro Stock right now is that it, 
it, it seems attainable. And, it, and I think it would make sense to start in Top Fuel and kind of start with our overall view. But it's uh, actually, let's do that. Let's go ahead and pump the brakes here. I do want to remind you guys real quick, if you haven't subscribed to Flow Racing, do so. These guys are doing incredible things for the sport of drag racing and motorsports in general. Heck, sports in general. The opportunity to live stream, watch drag racing content 24 hours a day, seven days a week, catch action at Donald Long Sweet 16 that's coming up right down the chute. The PDRA entire series, the NMCA entire series broadcast live, full color. It's unbelievable. No tape delay, no getting kicked off because of a softball game. Nothing like that. Log on to flowracing.com slash drag illustrated so you can let them know that we told you about them. You can join the family, join the, the flow racing community for $149.99. A year. Personally, I think it's the best money you could possibly spend. Guys, let's just talk about the fan base. I, I think that I want to talk yeah, about... Yeah, we got to get back to that, man. I want to talk about the NHRA, this event as a whole, right? So I've been going to the NHRA Gator Nationals for a really long time. It's, it's one of those events that, to me, it, it stands tall amongst all these other events. 22 stops on the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series Tour. And I can tell you a story. I can tell you something fun or interesting probably or some personal memory I have at most those venues. However, there's just something different about the NHRA Gator Nationals. I think the, the rich tradition, the history of the event, uh, the date equity, I, I preach that a lot. Same weekend, same time of year. I think there's some intangibles. Like you get the teams when it's it's before things have gone completely awry. It's before they're almost out of money. It's before everybody's mad, right? And it, it, you get it's people early opener, on. It's the right? East Coast opener. And it's good weather, going to Florida, all those things you said, but it's the energy. There's an energy there, and it's the fan attendance, really, and the fan dedication that really brings that deal out, man. I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on that because out of everything that happened this past weekend at the Gator Nationals, we saw, world, we saw history made. I mean, I'm going to have full body chills from start to finish guys i mean because we've it's completely just rebranded goosebumps here as we've completely rebranded goosebumps fbc i may pull goosebumps back out i don't know but I, i'm kind of liking sure this FBC thing i'm sure i will too but it was it was amazing all the stuff that happened on the track this weekend is great right it's fantastic and i'm not trying to make light of any of that but the thing that kicked me in the stomach really was sunday morning Mike and I roll through the gates. We're stuck in 47 miles, seemingly, of traffic trying to get into Gainesville Raceway. Each day, uh, no each matter day. what time. It, and I heard I'm someone gonna, that got there at like 8 a.m. We got there a little line. bit later than that, but like they were in, they were stuck in hour-long traffic at 8 a.m. Don't I mean it, it, it? Just having that, and it's funny because I think about the things that add to the experience, right? And I think that common logic would say people waiting in line is bad that oh man that sucks you got stuck in traffic but i think it's that we said it's that a in the really car. good we, thing like i want to be sitting here chomping at the yeah. bit mike and i are like is the track around this bank of trees or the next bank of trees are we close you know and it's but it, that but is part of the story and say right? man this is a good thing though it's a good thing that we're in traffic because if you roll up there saturday afternoon the weather's yeah. finally beautiful or sunday for eliminations and you just roll right in that's not a good sign that's not a good sign man i find it massively problematic you yeah. know and that said to to roll in there we we finally get up to the racetrack and again i mean i'm not bemoaning this traffic i was in it going this is awesome that there is a line of cars 
trying to get into what I can only assume is a capacity parking lot, you know, a packed parking lot for a, a drag race parking lot. Yeah. And that's where yes. I was headed. Mike and I round the corner here. Mike's behind the wheel of the old Jeep gladiator rental car. Thank goodness Side note. had the foresight to rent a four wheel drive vehicle. Yes. Thank you. know, Hey, little pat on the back yeah, there. You know, I, you that it was actually all they had because I booked a car so late. All they had was a Jeep, but I got to say this and I'm going to upset some people, actually some people near and dear the fam here. My, my, my buddy, our own drag illustrated zone, Dion Walrat's probably going to get salty, but I hope Jeep never comes to drag racing. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away, because I, I mean, was, I'm out on tough. Jeep Gladiators, man. I'm I was not impressed, but thank God we had a four wheel drive vehicle. But nonetheless, Mike's uh, handling driving duties because this and uh, this this injured arm of mine, and we we start to pull into the racetrack. I think it was gate A, gate whatever doesn't matter. We pull in. I was trying to do a little bit of like VIP. You know, we're obviously pulling into the VIP entrance. We helicoptered in. We helicoptered in. Yeah, Yeah, we helicoptered in. But then I thought, no, I want to be a man of the people. Mike, I told the pilot, drop us off at that gas station right outside of Gainesville Raceway. Mike and I are going to get in a car, borrow one, whatever. And we're going to do just like the common folk. No, I'm just joking. But anyways, we pull into the racetrack. First thing we see is a, I believe, now infamous Toyota Tacoma. It's kind of like an olive drab tan or whatever. It's now iconic. It's been all over drag racing social media the last few days. The one that was completely submerged underwater. Fortunately, I don't know if that's if it had dried out that much or if that's where the vehicle had like been towed to. Mike and I looked at each other. That thing's got to be a total loss. I, I, For those that haven't seen the photo, look around, search the hashtag uh, Gator Nationals on social. You'll you'll surely find it. Check out my personal page um, at West Buck Show. You'll see th- this, this Toyota Tacoma that is literally up to its windshield in water. And, and honestly, it was one of what seemed like hundreds, if not thousands of vehicles that were basically buried. At one point, Mike and I drove past a really good-looking Cadillac ATS red, lowered, good-looking aftermarket wheels. It is buried to the rocker panels in mud. And and I say all this to kind of set the stage. I believe there was seven inches of rain between Thursday and Friday at, at Gainesville Raceway. Guys, seven inches of rain inside of 48 hours, okay? This place is essentially underwater. It's no secret that moving water around, I mean, we're in Florida, right? It, 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 wets, it gets wet down there a lot. But it's no secret that Gainesville has a little bit of a history for getting wet, right? And the parking lot getting a little treacherous, getting a little sketchy. But it was, I've never seen anything like what we saw. Mike and I saw a guy using a squeegee, a barefoot young man. Well, we had, we had to drive. We made a oh. complete loop around the facility Good to park. find a place that we thought was, uh, you know, a safe, safe place to park that we could get out of get out of even though we had that that we want to get in trouble for yeah you because yeah, i was genuinely concerned that we were going to like i don't know probably park somewhere that we're going to get in trouble for and it's going to start this whole thing but i also i'm not and this is a this is a great way to explain the point i'm trying to make we're driving around this place trying to find a good parking spot like a place that's kind of dry seems kind of like it makes sense there are none and i look around from that cadillac XTS, this killer hot rod luxury performance vehicle. I'm looking around, seeing all sorts of four-wheel drive trucks, motor homes, uh, fifth-wheel campers buried, buried. And my takeaway, and I'm honestly, I'm going to say what makes that, we don't know. And and I'm looking at you, NHRA. I'm looking at you, 
drag racing world. Like I hope there's two things. A, I hope the NHRA recognizes how lucky they are to have such a uniquely passionate and uniquely dedicated fan base. I mean, I, I will talk about the racer base in a second because that's equally impressive and equally important, but it's like the fans. Let's just touch on the fans. How lucky are you as a sanctioning body, as an event promoter, as an organization to have fans that are willing to, I mean, I challenge you both. I don't think that's happening outside of a Carolina Panthers game. Like, get it. I get it. You're hardcore. I get it. Everybody's <laughs> definitely not. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Or, not, or even a Kansas City Chiefs game. I mean, they're hardcore, right? I get it. Stick and ball sports fans, and I'm probably going to start a whole debate here. There's plenty of hardcore. I've seen plenty of shirtless guys in sub-zero weather. But are you burying your new Cadillac to go to the game? I don't think you are. I just, I don't think you're burying your Cadillac to go to the Chicago Cubs game. Right. I don't think you are. I don't think you're parking your motorhome in a swamp that you had to pay $1,000 to park in. I just don't think that's happening. And I don't know that as a community, we really understand, especially the sanctioning body leads. Like, and it's not just the NHRA. And, and this isn't a conversation that I want to have because anybody's a bad guy. I just think we all need to be reminded every once in a while that we are putting on a show. We're putting on a damn good show. And people love this shit, man. People love it. And they will endure everything I just outlined to go watch a drag race. Not, not go be in a drag race. To go watch one. And I What's hope that? that everybody from NHRA to PDRA to Midwest Drag Racing Series to NMCA to every organization that's involved in this whole deal. I hope we can all at some point really respect and appreciate the fans to the degree they deserve it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. And I mean, this is a once in a year event and this event was taken away from us in 2020. Uh, and, and there's pent up demand there, but this is, that's what we talk about with Gainesville and the Gator nationals, why it's special, that energy, the passion, the dedication, and these people want to see that event. Um, and it, it's a once in a year thing. And I think that a lot of these events are even PDRA, these other uh, sanctioning bodies you mentioned, when they roll through the track, it's a once a year deal. It's special. You don't want to miss it. You've had it taken away in the last year or two, and now it's back and, and you're, you're, you're dedicated to it. You want to go see it. And the, the sport, especially NHRA, I think it reiterates what we have been saying. It's hot right now. The new blood that's in the sport, the changes that have happened, the new the the energy's high. Um, people that it have is. that have joined the sport, we saw Tony Stewart get his first win as a car owner uh, this weekend. Uh, things are good right now, especially at NHRA. And I know there there, there are some people that don't want to hear that, that want to challenge right, yeah. that, and always want to be the naysayer. But if you if you take a step back and you look at at the sport as a whole, and especially the highest levels NHRA. Even if it's fuel racing only that you want to look at, it's hot right now. And you can't deny that. No, you can't. I mean, that crowd that was on hand, I honestly, I was at a loss for words. And that's so a Saturday, rare occasion. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday, man. I mean, Saturday was still raining in the morning. So it, cold. It, it, I don't it, know. It's cold. been a long time Super since I've been cold. that cold at a drag show. Windy. That wind that would just cut you. And it was, it didn't clear out till early afternoon. And then, uh, you know, it was beautiful, sunny, but cold. And that place was packed. And then Sunday, double packed, whatever you want to say. If that wasn't Both a capacity the, crowd, I don't know what is. Well, and you know, I, and I, I, saw, I saw a post on, on social media from Dylan Voss. Uh, 
yeah. about you know pdra like, yeah. uh competitor right, right and he said and he was like this you know i see all the time i i don't understand why someone would want to run an nhra event or i don't know why this team doesn't run an xyz series and he has a picture of this the stands just i mean just packed out right like you couldn't i mean it's almost out. especially and in it, a post-covid world is why people want to go run an nhra national event you know it's more than just the prestige or the Wallies, you know, it's the huge crowd and, and running for all those people. Well, and let's, and, let's and Gainesville has the most seating of any in HRA national event. So to see that place that full, full means that that would have been over capacity or, you know, not possible at a lot of these facilities. So there's no uh, doubt you, in my you, mind, you gotta keep that you that mind. get that crowd into a slew of the stops on uh, the tour. Sure. I mean, there's a bunch of them that I don't think would have been able to handle it. From the top in, like we did for a little bit before we headed out, you get another perspective looking back at the stands from a, a further away. And, and it was even more impressive from down there, you know, to see, to look back up and see it first off all the way down damn near to the finish line. And then just see everyone smaller and more packed in than when you're standing on the starting line and everyone's kind of closer to and you and you're seeing it. You're, you're and seeing that's good for you guys. Right. Away. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, really like, and we're all, we're all very spoiled. Like when we go to the races, we're down the starting line most of the time. You know, we we have we're a, in a media room, yes. or whatever. But we, you know, like Mike, you when you race with your dad, you're always you're always up on the starting line. Um, <laughs> admittedly, it's important. I, I think I, I would actually there, tell people, there, but then like, but then yeah, you get down there from a go watch as a fan. Go watch it. And you're like, oh, this is this is badass too, right? 100%. It's better. To be honest, I found myself going like. I know how bad everybody wants special treatment, right? I understand the marketing principle of, you know, everybody wants what no one else has and everybody loves a wristband or, you know, some sort of VIP access or what whatnot. That's fantastic and there's no doubt about it. But and man, if you want to if you want to see people and chat and and shake hands and everything, that's the place to be, right? It really is, man. And to just be reminded because so quickly we forget how easy it is to get jaded, to kind of gloss over the spectacle that our sport really is on a variety of levels. I mean, we watch watched a couple of rounds on race day from the from the top end before we headed to the airport and it wasn't just top fuel that blew me away or just funny car i mean it was pro stock pro mod it was factory shootout i mean top alcohol dragster i mean they really put on a hell of a show down there in gainesville and i i want to make sure that we touch on this before we get too far from it where it doesn't make sense i guess it's never stopped me before but <laughs> we, we, we the fan base is fantastic and i i will we'll park that conversation for a minute because I think it's equally important to recognize and applaud and celebrate and just give a big old attaboy to the racer base because considering the forecast, I mean, think about all the things that were flying in the face of a drag so racer this weekend. Didn't, didn't end up going to this event or canceled plans to right. go. Right. I mean, gas is $600 a gallon, yep. essentially. Diesel's completely out of control and it's changing. I, mean, I talked to multiple people who were like, when I left the shop, gas was four dollars a gallon by the time i got to florida it was 550 or almost six bucks right i mean it's like to think about that moving moving goalpost or whatever you want to call it a moving variable the whole well, time yeah, you're traveling you're on a budget yeah i mean yeah, yeah man yeah, right i mean and it's i understand that uh, oh you're, you're gonna everybody. spend what's a couple hundred bucks here and there whatever but you start to think about all right i'm staring down the barrel of not a slight chance of rain I mean, Friday was calling for, I believe, and Saturday, a 100% chance of rain. The, the biggest enemy of all drag racing promoters and track owners, the weatherman. 
had put damn near put the nail in the coffin of the Gator Nationals. Yet here these sons of guns come in droves with oh, motor yeah. homes and stacker trust, trailers. Trust those son of bitches. You cannot. But I mean, can you imagine a hobby? A hobby, no matter how passionate you are, no matter how car hardcore you are, a, a hobby that's going to require you to like go park in a swamp, watch <laughs> as your half million dollar investment begins to sink, right? Well knowing that, wow, it's going to be a disaster to get this thing out of here. Not, not say maybe we shouldn't do this. Not say screw it next week we'll try to go racing. Say instead, let's run to Home Depot and buy some, spend more money, work harder. Let's go oh, yeah. buy some plywood. Yeah. Let's go buy we, the, let's go to Harbor hey, Freight this, and buy some yeah, blue this, tarp. This golf, cart, this golf cart isn't going to cut it for, you know, we're going to, we're going to stop by and get one of these Argos. You know, the, I mean, it's yeah, literally how it feels, you know, they're yeah. like, I mean, I saw race team after race team after race team, which we all know is not in, not across the board, but when you go to an event like that, you have to re be reminded, let's just say for the sake of round numbers, if there's 500 race cars, there's 40 pro teams there or less, right? That have real deal hired gun help, real deal paid employees that have like insurance and retirement or whatever based on racing. Almost everyone else there working on a race car is a volunteer working and are, and are for beer on asphalt and everyone else is parked on grass how many we saw so many cars up. these guys plywood backed up to the to the back door or uh um pallets up to the side door to the trailer and just to get their car over off the grass onto the asphalt that's where they put the pro jacks or whatever other jack setup they've got to warm the car up how many cars did we see you couldn't get through some of the pits because everyone had their cars on the little and, strip of asphalt. And I got to be honest, man, I, I, again, and I, I'm not trying to belabor this, uh, this point too much, but I don't think I can say, I don't think I can. I mean, someone like the NHRA, and maybe they did this, I don't know. Uh, we spent a ton of time this past weekend bragging on the NHRA, right? The, sa the safety safari specifically, and they deserved it. I saw those photos of the racing surface circulating social media on Saturday morning, and I was worried. We like, were looking I, at that. It's sitting in traffic. Literally. And I'm going, I don't know if there's going to be enough racetrack out there knowing enough to be dangerous about running a racetrack and prepping a racetrack. I'm going, I would say that's a typical, typically like a work day building a rubber base, right? I mean, you're going to spend six, eight hours, probably easy. If you're not a pro even longer getting that racetrack ready to run, the NHRA safety safari had that bad boy on kill ready to produce record setting runs inside of three hours, massively impressive. And all weekend long, we, we were given rounds of applause to the NHRA safety safari. And let's, I'm going to, I think, uh, yeah, I think our, our residential pro Tyler Crossno, he was, he was mentioning it, you know, in, in our work, we have a, we have a work channel in Slack where we, where we talk about racing all weekend and, and I think he was surprised even. Oh, I think anybody that knows anything about that part of our sport and what's required to run these cars and what it takes to develop a high quality racing surface where you can race professional drag racing vehicles on and produce record setting runs, especially in mine shaft conditions. It's an, uh, it ain't easy and it, it ain't for the faint of heart in that situation. And I, I give all the credit in the world to the NHRA and the, in the safety safari team, massively powerful effort. Jeff Conley, the, the whole team, I'm blown away. And we did. We gave them a round of applause multiple times. I heard multiple racers, yeah, you know, saying, hey, huge shout out to the, yeah. to the, to the, the NHRA Safety Safari. I heard Alan Reinhardt, the, the official announcer of the NHRA, mention it several times. But I, what I would like to do right now in this moment is let, let's maybe have a moment of silence for the people who are going to have to wash these motorhomes.
Like let, let's let's talk about that. Like let's have a round of applause for the racers that all but ruined their prize possessions this past weekend, all in the pursuit of speed, all in the pursuit of winning a drag race, turning on wind lights, winning a Wally. And I hope I, I don't know that it is. And I surely hope it's not lost on the NHRA brass. That's the point I want to make right here. And now, do we recognize, do we understand, do we truly appreciate what these guys and gals are doing? Like the amount of effort, the amount of money. I mean, it's one thing to spend money on gas and it's one thing to spend money on rods and pistons and oil and spark plugs and every all the other consumables that go along with drag racing at a high level. But you got to stack on top of that. Like now we've you got a motorhome that's buried in a parking lot somewhere. We've got another race to get to. This is so expensive. It's so laborsome. And I just hope, I hope the racing community knows how much they're appreciated. And maybe they don't hear it enough, and that's what we're here to do. That's what Drag Illustrated is existing, exists to do, is to celebrate the men and women who go drag racing every weekend to make sure that they know their efforts are noticed, that to, to validate those efforts. And I just hope the NHRA... Again, I'm not saying it is lost on them, but I hope they really, truly appreciate the magic thing they have because this is a truly unique group of people that I don't think exist in many other places. And for them to be willing to go to such great lengths to go drag racing, to put on a show for those fans we just talked about, I can't say enough about this group of people. I think it's a special community. I'm obviously biased. I'm, I'm Mr. Drag Racing. I love this stuff. I really do. I love Mr. it as Drag much as racing. No, I love this, right? I, I think I like people it. are afraid to say that they're not, they're a fan. Do you know what I'm saying? Everybody oh, yeah. wants to be an insider. I mean, that's what, that's what I am. I'm not afraid to admit that I love this stuff. Like I love it. Like I like cheese pizza. Like I love drag racing and I love this group of people and I'm the biggest fan in the world. Put some meat I, on that pizza, son. I yeah, like man. cheese pizza, baby. God, um, damn. This is how supposed you? to be. Cheese are you, pizza. Are you eight years old? <laughs> no, man. I mean, God, have you been dang. to Italy? They don't have pizza. Supreme. Huh? Like there's not meat lovers well, coming I, out of Napa. Well, going there then. No, I mean, there's just not. Yeah. There's not like pineapple pizza. Hawaiian isn't yeah. coming out of the oven, some brick Hawaiian. oven in Sicily. It ain't happening, bro. They're Are putting like sure? some basil leaves on that and that's it. They're, they're like, send that thing out the door, the dough, the sauce, the pizza. That's a pizza, right? I mean, okay, I'm going to go. We're going to completely derail this whole conversation fight. I'm really making me hungry right, right now, to be honest with you. So um, I love yeah, we cheese need, we pizza. Need to move that's on. my all-time favorite. Well, listen, <laughs> I just want the racing community to know that you guys are unbelievable. We can point, there's, there's, uh, there's accolades and gold stars, as my wife likes to call them, to go around. There's gold stars to go around, but none of it happens without the racers. Fans don't come, right? NHRA doesn't have an event. Gator Nationals doesn't exist without those men and women that are going up and down the racetrack, right? All those hot rods. And the fact that they are willing to endure all that we've just outlined, seven inches of rain, standing water, freezing cold, just... It, one, most of these racers that we're talking about had to sit there all the way till Monday. To and they're not racing class. for 80 grand in the Pet Boys shootout yeah. on freaking live They've Fox there, TV. Probably left their their house the previous Monday or Tuesday to get <laughs> right? there to start racing on Thursday. Took time off work, leaning on their, their help. While the pros run and while it rains and whatever else, and then have to finish it on the following Monday. So they especially need a round of applause. I think so. Man. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I kind of like hate, them both. The TV time, you know, the, you know, during the course, all the rain and all the delays and, you know, you know, you finally get on the big stage 
on TV time. I know. And some, some stupid it, shit. It like broke my heart. I actually reached out to a few of my friends within the NHRA and just kind of offered my condolences on Friday night. Because I'm like, man, ev- the stage was set for this deal. I thought, yeah. I feel, I really feel like there was a good effort, a, a very solid effort put into promoting the first ever NHRA uh, Pet Boys All Star Top Fuel All Star Callout. I thought a lot of things were done well. They were trying hard. There's press conferences happening. There's all this pre race promotion happening. There's a ton of buzz. People are talking. A lot of money up for grabs. And I just was broken hearted for the NHRA because man, that was like a a, a softball on a tee, aluminum bat. Like you're getting ready to go yard, right? I could feel. The NHRA was about to have a moment. I, I really, and I actually said it in one of my questions during the NHRA's virtual press conference leading up to the race where they were discussing the, the weekend's events with the participants in the call out. And I said, I really think this is a, a jumping off point for the sport of drag racing. This could be a historic moment. And I still feel it was, but man, what it could have been had it been 70 and sunny all well, weekend. Hope, hopefully they get a, a somewhat of a rain check, I guess, on it. You know, I, I mean, but I think they're gonna. I mean, I that, think ultimately Sunday, you know, all things in. considered, it it really turned out pretty spectacular. And we we're, we're going to dive into some of the actual racing here right now. But I do just one last time want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly, to to everybody that participated in the NHRA Gator Nationals because I don't think I, I don't think the these men and women, the people that that spend the money on this stuff, that spend the time on this stuff, really hear it enough. Thank you. If you didn't hear it from anybody else, you're hearing it from us right now at Drag Illustrated. We truly appreciate it. The, the effort does not go unnoticed. We recognize it. We appreciate it. And we know how hard you try, how hard it is. And we appreciate you coming out here, fighting all, everything that we just talked about, all in the name of going drag racing, trying to win a Wally, trying to turn on a couple of wind lights. And it's just, you know, when you think about it, there's a handful of people, right? The names scrolling across the bottom of the ticker. It's not everybody that was there. It's not everybody whose motorhomes totaled. It's not everybody who had to call AAA. It's a handful of people that won. And it's not lost on us that winning is few and far between in the sport of drag racing. Winners every weekend, there's only a handful of them up on that stage. But there's a whole lot of people that are fighting the good fight, putting on a hell of a show for all of us to enjoy the super fans of the world. And I just, I really appreciate it. And, and we'll, we'll use that as a segue. I do want to remind everybody that today's show and every episode of the show is brought to you by our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you set you tell Tommy and the gang that we sent you guys. Let's dive right into some top fuel action. Uh, second straight year, we've had a first-time winner at the NHRA Gator Nationals. Josh Hart last year, Trip Tatum this year. We saw some crazy 337-mile-an-hour runs, Mike. We saw the, uh, the what we've been talking about the last few minutes, the Pet Boys All-Star call-out. Let's just uh, like start at the top, top of the sheets, top fuel. What was your overall impression, the way things shook out? Any big surprises for you? What's your take? Yeah, man. I mean, Trip Tatum had to be a surprise. We were up in the tower when we saw that uh, first qualifying run. That thing looked like it was a, I mean, we always say shot out of a cannon. They always are. But this thing, you can visually tell it was doing something different down low, especially. So number one qualifier wins the race. That team has been surprising uh, to start the year. On the other side of the the spectrum, you've got uh, Langdon, Leah, Schumacher, Antron, all outside the top 10. And I think 
It's crazy. You know, it's, it's early That's in the crazy. season, so you can't write any of these people off. Dude, and Sean it, Brown didn't qualify. Yeah, I mean, now I granted they had one shot, but still, right. just wait. What? It's Antron Brown. Well, it speaks to the competitiveness of yeah. that class. We talked to uh, Krista Baldwin earlier this year, and she gave us kind of a breakdown of how all this uh, new blood in the in the class and the competitive competitive nature of the class was shifting to where what she thought she could run at, at a three eighty to uh, you know a mid 380 run wouldn't get her in the show so it's it just shows how how tight it's going to be all year how about these, steve these, torrance these, this yeah. is uh, according to our notes shout out to longtime senior editor at drag illustrated josh hatchett for yeah, helping josh us out with us this look smart every week. Um, first time <laughs> that steve torrance has gone more than three races without a win since 2019 and this is what we were talking about we and again this was coming not no. not trying to shortchange anybody obviously yeah. four-time world champion i would argue he is rapidly getting in the conversation of best to ever do it. I mean, we're going to talk about Steve Torrance alongside freaking every star of top fuel history. I mean, alongside Tony Schumacher, alongside uh, Kenny Bernstein, alongside all these guys that are iconic top fuel guys. We're Steve Torrance is entering that conversation. He's entered that conversation. I think in the modern era, he's as good as it gets, right? But Absolutely. we've been talking about it, man. 22 this is a whole deal different deal i mean yeah, for sure again that. don't want to call don't want to shortchange anybody call out man also affected qualifying don't you think because you'll get one shot some of it was the call out and so a, a person like sean langdon it, it's there's a lot of pressure on that one run i think it may have changed the approach on the tune-ups to see some of these surprising uh dnqs because of the effect of the call out and because of the shortened schedule. Let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, okay, there's a couple of things. Huge shout out to to Trip Tatum, uh, the winner, first time winner. You could tell the excitement. That's basically a Capco satellite car. It's essentially right. a third uh, car for the Capco team alongside Steve Torrance and his father, Billy Torrance. And man, oh man, it's clearly working out. I mean, I think that it's there's further proof that you can go out here and compete at a high level without you know, hire like building a new team and hiring Alan Johnson. Like that used to be the clear cut pathway to success in top fuel racing. There's some options now, but let's talk about the call out specifically. What was your, now that we can look at it now, granted, we all understand that the, uh, the top fuel challenge the excuse me, we, I've called it something different. Every time I say it, the pet boys, NHRA top fuel, all-star call out, whatever. Um, we didn't get to see it come to conclusion, right? We did not see finality, um, with this particular shootout, the the uh, the remainder of the elimination rounds were down to four cars will be contested alongside the funny car version of the All Star Callout at the NHRA US Nationals later this season at uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, but let's talk about what we did get to see. Let's start with pre race buildup hype uh, going from Wednesday when we did our last show to today. What did you guys think of the buildup in the the initial? kind of wave of momentum and interest and enthusiasm in the call out. I, I honestly think it was, I mean, it had to be less than what we expected because again, because of the weather, they had to move everything from the starting line and all that. We got that email, right. With this whole schedule of what they're going to do. Well thought out, well planned. A lot of this is going to happen in front of the fans and at optimum timing or whatever. And then everything has to be done in the, uh, whatever their whatever their club is there top eliminator club i'm not sure yes, that's it top um, eliminator club yeah it, inside there uh with you know minimal fan engagement had to be filmed really quick um i don't think Doug was well, even I, he wasn't able to make it i guess because of the the scheduling so uh that was a, a little bit 
you know, disappointing. They were just behind the eight ball the whole time. Like you said, all this build up, and then you don't get to do a lot of the pre-race presentation. Then again, it was uh, it was a little bit truncated on on uh, on Saturday because of you know the late weather move out. So it was hard. But I think it'll be make Indy even better. I, I actually kind of like the idea of having both of them at the same event. So I, I think that actually maybe moving forward, that's something that they could look at. I think having both the shootouts at the same time is a little less. It takes a little bit of the focus away from each individual one, but it kind of pairs the, the fuel classes together and gives even more bang for the buck for the fans. I like the presentation of it, though. Like, And they were showing kind of behind the stage and everybody kind of chumming it up, you know, right before yeah. they, of course, call them out, you know. And I thought Brian Lones did an exceptionally great job on the stage. Did we see, and, you know, forgive me for not knowing, uh, and I wasn't able to watch all yeah, the television broadcasts. I mean, the, the, the T, were you able to, like, that. watch the NHRA broadcast on Fox or any of the take-in? Um, I was in footage? and out because I was working on stuff all weekend. But well, I'm wondering a little bit of... Have to go back and watch that part of it. I mean, I was just, I compare and contrast it. And obviously I, I know I'm, 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 these are apples and oranges to some extent, but I was like watching Chopped on Food Network last night. It's one of my favorite shows, to be honest. And it's crazy how quickly the production team at Food Network can introduce you and romance you and seduce you and have you falling in love with one of the contestants. It's unbelievable. And it's literally done in two or three sound bites. It's like, hey, what inspired you to be here this weekend? And you're going to get this passion laced tirade from some chef. That's like my mom taught me how to cook before, you know, we encountered hard times or whatever. There's some memorable emotional tale. And the next thing you know, you're cheering for this guy, but then you kind of see how they're a little haphazard in the kitchen and they're kind of focusing on that. And the guy cut his finger and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they do a great job of getting you invested in that. And I felt like that was a little bit lacking. We got a lot of perspective on what's happening right now but i don't think we got a lot of backstory like who is mike salinas who is leah pruitt who is sean lane well, i think who is been, are these people in the show struggled with right yeah i mean sure. that, i mean they've always struggled with, with but they've got that. what's interesting now is they've like got they, six they months everybody to know yeah, yeah they got know. six months now till it's completed like for instance Brittany force got six months to choose her next her opponent for yeah that's uh, wild to think in about, right? so i wonder if we'll see any more of that kind of development or build up when it let's when talk about the call out uh the, the call out specifically as you said truncated i'd make my own, I'd make my own video yeah if that's my point is I, yeah. I honestly I would, think like, i would make my own production video like like well, that, that, that kind of brings it. me to you an know? interesting point too i was thinking about and it's something that i would like to hear more about what what do the drivers really think about this what is what was their reaction to it i'd like to get some perspective on that how they thought it went and and is it something they're excited about moving forward into the future or or did it was it you know just a pain in the ass something they would rather not do you know what's their what's their perspective i think you it? ought to be able to call out the whole field like i i think that it oh be any but not just the guys that qualify oh, yeah, for the yeah. thing yeah. I, i'm i'm gonna tell you i've got a simple fix and this is and i'm not trying to say that we've done it once before but i i think that there's a certain amount of square peg round hole happening with this call out thing like f my takeaway from it, watching it and, and really trying to study it and examine how everybody's behaving. And I actually asked this question to one of the participants last week here on the show, uh, Justin Ashley, you know, how uncomfortable is this? Because it looks pretty awkward. Like I can see it on everyone's face. Like, you know, the pressure that was on Steve Torrance. I mean, I think there was more pressure on Steve Torrance this past weekend to be the asshole that calls out the struggling Leah Pruitt 
than really anything else. Like you could see it was weighing on him. He knew that the obvious pick was Leah Pruitt. She's had a little bit of a rough start to the 2022 campaign. She's got a lot on her plate, right? Uh, new marriage. They got a brand new team. They got two cars, a lot of moving parts, all these sponsorship relations. And and I mean, anybody, that's a lot to unpack every weekend. And I think that the obvious choice for whoever had first pick, you're picking Leah. I don't think it was a huge secret, but it still put a ton of pressure on Steve to be that guy who's going to call out the girl who's kind of having a rough year. And this is a guy who's already struggled to, to be the bad guy because he's a great human being, right? And what it what it told me, and I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on this, but we're not dealing with pro wrestlers out here. Like my one, arguably my favorite pro wrestler of all time died earlier this week, right? And I was watching right. old clips. Um, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, rest in peace, brother, man. Uh, rest in peace, bad guy. Uh, I'll never forget you. And I don't think the wrestling world ever will either because I think he was one of the guys that was completely comfortable being a bad guy. He leaned into it and people, he was so charismatic and he had such a big personality that people love, he was one of the first ever widely accepted villains in pro wrestling. I mean, typically villains got booed, right? Was they were able getting, to have a long career because of that. Probably these, absolutely. these guys that are willing to buy into it because there's so few are able to have that longevity. But let's be honest, another good guy, another face. He'd right. probably just blended into the crowd and faded away. But, but that said, Steve Torrance ain't Scott Hall, right? And neither is Mike no, Salinas. I mean, because there's some, are. I mean, I think Scott Hall, we got to talk about this a moment because it's, it's worth unpacking. Scott Hall is six foot seven. I don't know how much he weighed, but this guy's a monster. It's not real hard to be an authentic bad guy, right? It's yeah. not real hard to throw your toothpick in the face of the camera, right? I mean, it's not real hard to do that because it's like you're you are you look like you could be a bad hombre. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got the chest hair and jacked and whatnot. I mean, you got the gold chains. You you look like a badass. So it's easy for him, it's authentic. Like, I'm not saying that he wasn't playing a character, obviously playing a character. I don't even, it's not even his real voice that he was using, right? It was just shtick. I get it. But it was an authentic, believable shtick. And I think the NHRA, unknowingly, not on purpose, right? They kind of put their whole group, their whole group being a square peg, and they tried to stuff it in a round hole because you're asking these, you're asking Brittany Force to be Nikki Bella. She's not, right? And, and that's not a shot or anything, but like, these people aspired their whole lives. Nikki Bella, Scott Hall, John Cena, they aspired their whole lives to be the next Hulk Hogan, to be the next big onstage personality. They knew that it was as important to be able to do an interview and to cut a promo as it was to be able to do a suplex. Drag racers, like, you know, Britney Force, Mike Salinas, these folks grew up idolizing Larry Dixon, Kenny Bernstein, Don Prudhomme. Now, there was those of them, John Force, that were able to cut a promo, but it was really all about... I mean, how many times have we heard, I let, I let the scoreboards do the talking yeah. for me, right? I mean, drag racing, it's all about letting the scoreboards do the talking for you. And I kind of feel like the, everybody that was involved in the Pet Boys All-Star call-out, in a way, I felt as excited for them as I was to see them race for $80,000 and get this moment in the sun. They deserved it, and there's so many positives. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to improve or have a discussion, an intelligent discussion around it I think they were kind of thrown to the wolves. I think it was a, we need you guys to 
you know, call each other out. And we, you know, I think they, they were asking a lot of this group of people completely out of their wheelhouse. And Justin Ashley, again, that was what I was trying to say. Justin Ashley, last Wednesday, he said, Wes, I'm glad you brought that up because yes, this is awkward. It's odd. You know, I didn't, most of these, none of those guys got into drag racing to, to be in that situation, right? Now, if you get into street outlaws, it's a different breed of people, you know, but here's the and thing, have, even street you outlaws, coaching, you have coaching and, and, uh, experienced people that can help you with that, you know, one not, instant I, I fix, coaching is instantaneous the word, just, fix, yeah, draw names. Drawing chips out of a hat, you would have gotten like, if I had, I love a king for the day opportunity, but I, I love what we have done historically with the World Door, Door Slammer Nationals down in Orlando in 2020 and 21. You bring all those pros, all those cars, all those top fuel cars are in the lanes. You make a huge production out of closing the lanes. I'd have had a camera and like one of those caution tape deals or some sort of special fabric that we rolled across the top of staging lanes and they're closed. No cars come, no cars go. We brought eight top fuelers out here. They're in the staging lanes. You better bring these mothers to the staging lane ready to run a world record and ready to race for $80,000. You bring everybody up to the starting line in front of a capacity crowd at Gainesville Raceway. You've got a hat out there. You've got a celebrity that's holding it or some beautiful woman, right, that she's holding the bag. And you and Steve Torrance, instead of getting to have first pick, he's got first draw. He goes up, he draws first, right? And he gets and we get to watch as a real spontaneous human moment happens, right? Because we're going to get to see, is he stoked because he drew Leah? Or is he devastated because he drew Trip Tatum or whatever the case may be, his teammate? Or he drew Antron Brown, his buddy, right? How much better would that have been? I And you get to see I Leah. No, I, I, I don't mind the call out though. I, 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 mean, I like the idea, it, but it's it, the yeah, wrong it, group it, of people. I, I, I do think that it needs to be the field. And then... And then it goes on whoever had the most points or who you know how you finished the year before because that gives you something to race for. Like, okay, I need to finish. You know, if I finished here, I, I probably wouldn't have got called but out. That's by what so they did, right? You know I mean, they mean? had eight. I mean, well, I think yeah, if you yeah. you made yeah, it too, if you saying, make it I'm too big, saying, like, having, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, I, I personally I think that you're I think that you're, was confusing. I think that was confusing to some of the fans. It was the, confusing the, to the, everybody, the but the determined was a little bit odd because yeah, it was well, based on qualifying. But then Clay not there. You know, yeah, yeah, it was based on qualifying. But yeah. then Torrance is the number one. So it's like qualifying, but then we're going to throw qualifying out and put right. Torrance right. number so one. But, and but I think that that's why. A little bit. But, but you're asking these guys to do something that they're uncomfortable doing. You have to, the whole you, thing, you know, I, I, I'm going to say good. about the whole deal. Is, but, they won't, <laughs> but it's easy to say that. And I got to think, I think that's the problem, T, because that's the mindset NHRA has. We'll just do it. Well, dude, these guys have never done that. I mean, that'd be start, like me saying, hey, T. That's yeah, the but yeah, the, I, I you could create I, I, an organic I, I, moment I, I, by I, drawing I, names out of a hat. If you think, draw I chips, this, what, it fixes it. I think the biggest tragedy would be for this to be one and done and it not even Me happen too. next year. But if yep. we get two, three, four, five years in a row of this by like those later years, these guys will they'll be, be by, into yeah. this. They'll yeah. be experienced. There will be new rivalries. They'll be fired up. And I think that as long as it's relatively the same group, the other part of the problem is that you've got a lot of turnover in some of these. That's classes. what I'm saying. And I mean, I, a whole different group. And then yeah. they're, they're not, but used they can to see it. how the group did it the year before though. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like, uh, you know, we all had cheese pizza when we were eight years old, but we have, except Wes. We, we, we have, we have put meat on our pizza from now, you know, now. 
Nah, but I don't think that's a great analogy. I don't think that's a. I don't think that works. I, I, mean, I really don't. I mean, it's. It wasn't. But I mean, I'm serious. But I'm serious in the fact that I think I think we're wrong. I mean, I, if if callouts worked, we'd see it where it worked. Like at the high, we'd see it in street outlaw. It doesn't. The callouts always turn into strategy. It always turns into Kai Kelly calling out Lizzie. It always turns into teammates playing yeah, games. You're, you're calling I mean, out somebody you know you're always there's yeah. you can't. It's so hard to stop humans from being human. But these, but these callouts, uh, you know, like in the NHRA though, like we see that with the street outlaws because they know that somebody's somebody's uh, broke down or hurt or. Um, aren't going to be able to make the call. I mean, that's where, the same where, thing we where, saw with Steve Torrance calling out Leah. She's struggling. He did that intentionally. Right, right. But but she is going to make a run. I mean, anything can happen there. So right, I mean, anything can happen in any of it. But I'm saying I, if I you want to create it too, right? They prefer a chip a draw, draw because it takes that pressure. It's like, hey, you know, I drew someone that I really want to race. But it's not my fault. It's just who I just I drew. don't so think it takes that off of their plate. It, too. We saw it, and I'm just saying the problem that I have is that you can't wait five, six years for this thing to be good. You can't wait five, six years for it to manifest. I mean, sh things move way too fast in this day yeah, and age will, to if, do that. Yeah, I mean, in some of these guys won't even be here. Will Doug Coletta still be racing in five years? I don't know. Mm -hmm. What's Top Fuel going to look like in five years? What I know is we got a badass field of cars right now. And we've got a whole a badass field of drivers, some of the best drivers that Top Fuel's ever seen. And I truly think we're asking them to do something that is so far out of their comfort zone. But you could have gotten that moment. You could have gotten some, oh, shit. You know, you could have got some big reactions. You could have got some big eyes. You could have seen some disappointment. I guarantee you, uh, you know, what's a great example? If uh, who's on a rail right now? Uh, that was really running good. Like, I mean, just imagine if if Steve Torrance reached into that bag and drew Brittany Force for round one. Like, all of a sudden, you've got a rivalry. I mean, you got a real rivalry. He just he just drew the the number of the only team to beat him in an NHRA Top Fuel Championship chase the last few years. And right? We've seen that. We've seen that at our race when big money's on the line like that. I mean, Greg Anderson. We were we were scared for our lives after Greg Anderson drew his teammate. <laughs> for the third round in a row, something that's out of our control, you know, but that's, but that's what an awesome storyline that was. Awesome and it also yeah. gets, a, it could potentially get one of the badass cars out of the way early, right? Because this goes back to this to me smacks too much of traditional drag racing, because I think that that deal damn near played out. I mean, obviously I think Brittany force kind of, she was, in my opinion, Brittany was the only one who really played ball because she called out a really fast car. She called out Antron Brown, right? Mm -hmm. Like that didn't, that call out didn't really make sense to me, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been going, she's doing this purely for entertainment value. She's doing this purely for spectacle, purely for the media attention, because I think it was the most significant happening of all the call outs, right? Um, Surprised me. I thought she would call out Langdon. I really did too. A, you know, there's some rivalry there too, correct? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of rivalry there. And I, I just think that that, but you can't expect, and we saw that not everybody's going to deliver on it. I mean, hell, Doug Coletta wasn't even able to make it. But I mean, he sure as hell would have been there on Sunday morning, or he would have been there on Saturday morning, the day they were running the race. And I just love the notion of creating some drama, put all the cars in the lanes. And it's like, listen, if you're going to make any changes, you're going to have to make them up here, right? The strategy is going to be right here in that's fairness, the, in fairness to Kalita, i think it was weather related right I, I was i believe and yeah. the whole thing was weather related yeah like, I agree. again it's my initial yeah, they're not trying to pick it apart i'm trying to find ways to make it way better if they would have pulled it off how they wanted to this would have been way better and and i'm still i still like it 
Like I, and it's, it's great better than have, nothing. It's better than not having it. We had and then Pet Boys. I think just maybe some, some tweaks to it. Maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. Pet Boys comes in. News. You know, rel- it, they've been involved in the past, but you know, kind of a new. They they explained on the PA that they're, it's, it's, it's under a new. Apparently, they're headed in a new direction with the brand instead of yeah. just be, like a being. I don't mean to be just being a part store, but instead of exclusively selling parts, they're now like a full service you know, a uh, lube and wash type of program right. apparently is the direction they're headed. Becoming it was really cool to see them jump on the side Mike. of Salinas. Uh, Mike Salinas is top jeans and Carnegie. Uh, uh, What's wrong with skinny, skinny jeans? That's what I'm just saying. They're, yeah. They're going to be the prep boys. Oh, oh, the prep boys. The prep yeah, boys. no, yeah. that, maybe no, that's like, roll, maybe roll again, bring that back. Where's the, where's the symbols? <laughs> that could be the new name for the NHRA safety safari, the prep boys, right? The prep, the boys. prep boys. Yeah. That ain't too bad, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly <laughs> think, you know, to kind of wrap up our conversation about the, uh, the pep boys all-star call out, I, I definitely think victor victory. Uh, I think a, a very cool deal that has nowhere to go but up. This is a fantastic thing for the sport of drag racing, fanta- fantastic thing for all these racers, and I can't wait to see how things unfold at the NHRA U.S. Nationals. That The good Lord's willing, we'll have some great weather this, uh, this Labor Day weekend when we, uh, we see these, these two classes do battle for big money in, at uh, Lucas Oil Race. It's going to be Indy, even more of a, of a must attend, right? you got to go to Indy now. You're going to Indy, mark it. Yeah, Labor Day. Week. Well, he can't. That's a soybean festival in the oh, plate of Missouri, right. and he could not miss kind of golf the local beer drink-a-thon for it's any like a, yeah, reason. Right. Well, there's a, you know, there's a... They also drink out liquor. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do. Oh, okay. we play, yeah, we have a washer tournament. And... Oh, the washer <laughs> tournament is... The, I'm, they literally, the, the folks in the plate of Missouri, God bless them, it's where my family's from. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. They treat that washer's tournament, uh, Mike, with the same reverence that we treat the NHRA US Nationals. Like, it's that much of a tradition. I it's want to that important. That People get in fights towards the end of it, yeah. I mean, it gets pretty intense. It's we pretty want, we, hilarious, We wouldn't man. want to take you away from that. I mean, the event wouldn't be the same for everyone else there. I might. Were. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's a, so let's transition into uh, Nitro Funny Car. Talk a little bit of Funny Car, guys. Uh, b- big weekend. It, it definitely seemed like the Funny Cars had more issues with the track conditions than Top Fuel did. Um, we saw a lot of uh, aborted runs, and we saw co- several cars go up in smoke. But we did in what I think is a great moment for the sport of drag race and, and, and adding to, I think, the legend of the Gator Nationals, Matt Hagen taking the win, scoring his first ever win for Tony Stewart Racing, giving – Tony Stewart, the IndyCar, NASCAR world champion, the Hall of Famer, uh, a motorsports icon, his first ever drag racing win. I think I don't know what I can say about it, man. It's a big deal. Like they were both stoked. Like did you see that photo? The smiles on both of Matt Hagen and Tony Stewart's face. Like that's that's real emotion. Tony's reaction on the starting line and the reactions from from Matt down, you know, on the top end. I mean, both of them. It it was it was it was awesome to see. And we talk about that every week. Like, let's see some emotion. You know, well, they 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 both delivered. They both delivered. Huge moment for Dodge. We were talking earlier in the show about manufacturer involvement. Dodge can't say enough really about Dodge. They've what they've done for like the high end, the high performance street strip culture. I mean, all these Dodge Challengers, Dodge SRT uh, Chargers, the V eight powered Jeeps. We actually were we were actually stuck in traffic next to one of these uh, Jeeps that have the three ninety two Hemi in it. The thing is sitting next to us. It's like. Oh, Jeep Wrangler. We're like, what is this thing? And it's like a hot rod Jeep. And you got to give Dodge a ton of credit. I mean, they have really been a huge part of 
keeping like modern car culture headed in the right direction, like 700 horsepower trucks and 700 horsepower four-door sedans. I mean, they've just done an incredible thing. And to see this new brand, uh, kind of a, a reminder of the old uh, direct connection days with the Dodge Power Brokers logo on the side of both Leah's Top Fuel Dragster and Matt Hagen's I think, Nitro Funny Car. I think something big deal for drag mentioning racing. too, again, the fans and how packed that place was and the energy. I wonder what Tony thought of that. And I wonder if he felt that, that this was a big event and the way Matt reacted to getting his first Gator Nationals, seeing that this this is a huge event and we we have huge crowds in drag racing and we have marquee events i think it probably made him feel good about his investment in this i hope sport. so man Absolutely. you know what i, I mean i, I hope so there. because it's this feels uh, on the rise and it's it's important as we've talked many times right here on this show as well as in uh, on the pages of drag illustrated magazine and elsewhere i don't know that i can really say enough about what winning a drag race does to you. I mean, if the hook wasn't already set because his wife's involved and his wife's, you know, he's literally, he's invested, right? His wife's in one of these cars. He's invested on a multitude of levels, right? But we got the hook set now. You seeing go put a Wally in that guy's hand line, and seeing the reaction, that. I truly believe the hook is set and we're not going to see Tony Stewart exiting the sport of drag racing anytime soon, really. And another example of seeing some underdogs go rounds, right? Yeah. Blake Alexander in awesome. the final. We see uh, Terry Haddock going around. I mean, it was a really good moment for drag. I mean, we saw a lot of that. We saw well, several upsets, cars that going. Doug Foley, I mean, I'm going back to top fuel, but I think that was really yeah, cool we, to see him going we, rounds. We failed and to mention good. that about Doug Foley. That was awesome. Uh, there was a lot of that this weekend. Trip Tatum winning the deal. I know that it's it, he's obviously part of that Capco team, so maybe he we we can't talk about him as an underdog, but just a fresh face, right? Somebody different, an independent car, a single, you know, one guy, not part of like a big conglomerate necessary. I, I just think that that's really, really, really cool. And to see those guys going rounds, I mean, I think I can't remember how long it's been, uh, unfortunately, since we've seen that Jim Head hot rod has, out on the racetrack. Been, they, they haven't been out since. Um, uh, Dylan the, Cromwell, uh, yeah, the Dylan away. Cromwell's yeah. incident. They actually mentioned that, and and so that was, I'm sure, extra special for those guys. Not it to was, go back, to, not to go back to Top Fuel either, but man, <laughs> those Capco boys, they're they're hungry now. Ooh. I mean, I I would hate to, I, I, you know, you're talking about chip drawing and everything. Well, else. you know, it's funny well, because I, I, I hate to get stuck next to them on a ladder right now. I, I would know. too, and I think we're gonna see. If this year doesn't produce the best ever, Steve Torrance, I'm going to be surprised. Um, I feel that there have been even three races in, and it's obviously way too early, but this is what we're here to do, be be kind of ridiculous, right? Three races in, I'm going to be honest, there's some teams that I've expected more from. I mean, You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. three races into the season, I'm going... I'm not really seeing what I thought out of some of these guys. And there's some other people really surprising me. Right. And I mean, it's some good, some bad. I mean, there's just, I don't know that anything's really playing out so far. And that's why we don't race these things on paper. Right. We don't race them based on business cards and who's crew chief on which team, which logo is well, on so that business movement. card. There's been so much movement in these classes. And from what I understand, it will continue to be. I think right. there's movement happening likely right now. There's I mean, there's probably somebody moving their stuff out of an office as we speak. There's a lot of adjusting and recalibration happening from the, at the bottom and at the top. And I think you're going to see that from Steve Torrance. Like you, like you said, JT, they're going to come out hungry. Do yeah. not, do not sleep on that. On that. Oh, crew. No, no. He no, said in his post race, they got, they, I got 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 the, they got the group to do it too. So. Yeah, they yeah. do, man. And we, I saw in the post race press release that came across my desk from Dave Densmore, who's been doing their PR uh, really since they started being a, a regular presence on the tour. I, I opened the document up and you always wonder 
it's tough. The, the PR game, I beat this drum a lot and I'm going to use this opportunity to do so. Man, if you're a racer and you have a race team and you're trying to accomplish anything out here, if you're trying to get sponsors, keep sponsors, grow your fan base, sell more parts, whatever it is, sell more, whatever. If, you're, if your race team is an extension of your business, if it's an advertising platform, if it's something that you know is a ta- tax deduction for, for the business, make sure you're, you're putting somebody on the payroll to, to write press releases and send content out to the media, we man. Say, we get asked that question at PRI. Hey, how do I get in this magazine? I've got a, you know, XYZ car. I run it, you know, XYZ track. And I'm like, do you send out press releases? Uh, no. How Awkward do I do silence. That? Yeah. And that, that literally is the first step. And I want to just remind everybody that it, it's going to have to be pretty rough around the edges. It's going to have to be pretty obnoxious for us not to print it. You know, I'm going to give you a little bit of secret sauce here, you know, but shoot an email to press at dragillustrated.com. Like, and you never know what might happen. You'll end up on the front page of dragillustrated.com. You'll end up in Drag Illustrated magazine. I mean, and what's, what kind of impact is that going to potentially have on your sponsors, your race team? I mean, there's, there's so many benefits to it. There's nothing bad that can come from it. So I'm, I just want to remind everybody out there, no matter where you're at in your racing journey, right? Whether you're just getting started, whether you're a top fuel team owner, make sure that you've got somebody. If you can have a crew chief, if you can have a clutch guy, if you can have a stacker trailer, you, you can probably find someone that can string a couple of words together, snap a, snap a couple of iPhone pictures, and send it out to the media. I remember going digging through newspaper websites. I still do it. I still maintain a few lists because it's you can't get enough of those email addresses and blast that stuff out to the masses. Reach out to people. Reach out to Competition Plus. Reach out to dragzine.com, right? Reach out to nhra.com. Reach out to National Dragster. Reach out to us at Drag Illustrated. Call around. Find out who needs to get this stuff, and you'll be blown away how much ink you'll get just by providing a little bit of the ingredients required to get ink. So I, I'll back up on that, but I'm diving into social media uh, alone can't get it done. You've got to social do that. media Everyone alone cannot that, well, get it done. I post on Facebook; it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. I mean, and that, listen, we're getting into an age where you can, you know, a driver, an athlete can throw something on social media, and it can be a statement, right? I mean, we saw Tom Brady announce his unretirement or whatever you call it, his uh, decided to not stop playing football via Twitter. JT was thrilled about that, man. He's a, the biggest yeah. Brady fan. What a clown. <laughs> he, literally, like, if anything important's happening in the sport, oh, here comes Tom Brady with something stupid. You know, like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're funny, dude. But seriously, oh, I, I mean, I get it. We're in an age where throwing something up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, maybe that can qualify as a statement. But you're asking a lot of the media if you expect them to go scour your Facebook page and scour your photo albums trying to find an adequate photo or trying it's to be find... Buried. It's going to be yeah, buried. Yeah, I mean, it's in, just in an unrealistic your, your buddy and your uncle are going to see it, but we're not going to see it. And, it, no. and even they may not see it because Facebook may not allow them. Right. You know, because right. you, you went out and made a racing page now, so they treat that as a business, you know. So if you're not paying, then they ain't showing. You and know? it's a fact, man. And I mean, I just want to remind everybody that, you know, after every one of these races, right, and you think about the teams that have big sponsors, right, and the team that seem to have be having a lot of success on and off the racetrack, they have one thing in common. Almost all of them have a PR representative. They all have a media person. They recognize that in 2022, there is a responsibility um, almost to create content, 
to put yourself out there to and and that's what a lot of these companies are looking for across the board you know they're doing advertising right they're spending money or whatever but they need content they need they've got the same problems that you do they need something to post on tuesday they need something sticker. to shoot out to their email list on the side of a car anymore no you know, that's i mean just, a lot of these companies investment for them their their roi one of the ways they're going to get their money's worth out of a race team is like hey man i'm going to have 22 races this year that's 22 epic burnout videos, right? You know, so that's 22 days out of 365 covered on our YouTube channel. We got 22 launches or hopefully a couple of win videos. Like they're looking at that as this is a great way for us to create awesome content, right? And, and show it to our audience. Look what we're doing. Look what we're out doing this weekend. We put our money where our mouth is or whatever. So don't sleep on creating that content. I opened up my email inbox Monday morning and it is literally... Alan, uh, you know, Antron Brown Motorsports. And here's another great, you know, little nugget is that you don't only send them out when you win. You don't only send them out when you score the championship. You don't only send them out when you set the world record. Antron Brown failed to qualify, right? Rough weekend. You know, Steve Torrance went out early. Rough weekend. Not the weekend that those guys wanted to have. But guess what was in my email inbox Monday morning? Post-race results some notes and quotes, uh, some information about what happened and some photos so that we can help tell that story and help highlight them, highlight their sponsors, highlight their teams. It's part of it. I mean, it's how the this this world works. And I found it interesting, and um, this was a long way to make this point to you, but you, you brought up Top Fuel, you brought up Steve Torrance. Yep. He said the quote that I pulled out of it, and, and you know, admittedly, a lot of those first round loss press releases, they're rough. It can be a little painful, but I was proud of Steve Torrance's approach to it. He goes, hey, man, every time we go up there, we get their best shot. And it's it, it, it gives me goosebumps because he knows he's got a target on his back the size of Texas, right? I mean, he's the guy that everybody's gunning for. Everybody's measuring their self against Steve-O. They are. I mean, they're measuring themselves against the Capco boys. I mean, every crew, in my opinion, at this point in time, no matter where you're at in the sport, you want to be measured. You're comparing yourself to the Capco guys, right? You want to be well, like them Capco boys. You have nothing to lose. They have everything to lose. You know, so you're gonna, yep. you are gonna go out swinging. And and we see it in football. We see it in other sports. Uh, when you're the underdog, you're not supposed to win this game. Uh, you're going up against the number one offense or whatever. You're gonna go for it on fourth down. You're gonna maybe try an onside kick. I mean, you're gonna try some shit. Because no one else you're, you're probably not going to be in this game if you don't pull off something, you know. So, I mean, you, you're going to see that stuff. I, well, I we, sure think so. We, we saw it. I mean, let's transition to pro stock. We Before saw it we do, let me take a minute here real quick, Mike, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Let me take a minute to remind everyone that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, your lawnmower, whenever you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline Synthetic Oils. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. And as always, remember to tell them Wes and the gang at Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show sent you. Mike, uh, let's dive into this pro stock conversation. That was where I was headed myself. Where do you want to start? Well, we were just talking about how the best of the best get everyone's best shot whenever they come up there. We saw that twice in the first round of pro stock, in my opinion. First, we saw Mason Begay come up and, and go 003 on Greg Anderson. <laughs> and take him out first round. 652 with a one to Greg's 649 with a two. Greg's quickest pass of the season in that losing effort. 
Then two pairs later or three pairs later, Bo Butner goes double O two against Erica Enders. Erica runs the quickest pass in the history. No asterisk. 6.450 at 213.57 miles per hour and goes home. Bo went 651 with a three at 212. Also a great run. But don't tell me that those two, Erica and Greg, aren't getting everybody's best shot every single time they come up. Oh, yeah. You, they don't, oh, yeah. People don't have a choice, especially I think there are times that you start to feel bad, you know, because there's a, you know, Erica's going up there and everybody knows that she's one of the best levers in the class. Everybody knows that she is, she is a, an against all odds driver. We've seen her deliver in those clutch moments. I mean, in stick and ball sports, specifically basketball, football, you hear it all the time, you know, the clutch gene, right? And I think, I don't know that anybody has had it the last decade or so, the last, well, the last five years, more so than Erica Enders. I mean, we've seen her with the, the deck stacked against her, maybe the not the car that's good, that should win. She goes out there and has made the difference historically. And it, it was tough because she clearly took that. I, I saw a quote on NHRA.com after the fact, and it was something like, my only takeaway from that is that I suck. And I'm like, oh, don't be so that's hard on yourself. She said in the top-end interview, which I which, – you know, kudos, kudos to uh, Fox and NHRA and whoever was doing the interview for going over and interviewing her. It'd be so easy have. to go over. Hey, let's go talk to Bo first and let Erica <laughs> scoot on out of here. We've oh, seen that oh, all year. Mister. Let's let's give some credit to Amanda Busick, Joe yep. Costello. Um, I'm drawing blank on some of the other folks' name, but that um, NHRA production yeah. team, they are really doing a great job with Jamie that. Howe. Like, Jamie Howe. Sticking that microphone in people's face is massively uncomfortable. And I got to tell you. I'm. I saw it in Phoenix when Erica Enders and Mason McGahey went went head to head, and they had both of them standing down there on the big end, side by side, interviewing them after Erica had just lost. And I'm going, wow, you know, I I, I tip my cap to everybody involved because it's that's the racers showing up. Like we just talked about how awkward of a moment that was at the, with the top fuel call out and whatnot, but. This is an example where the racers have really shown up. Like they're they're showing up, they're doing these uncomfortable interviews, and I can't say enough about it. And I do think Erica found some solace in the fact that her teammate advanced. I know that's important for the elite motorsports operation is to see all those cars going rounds, all those cars. The elite motorsports had their hands on seven pro stock cars this past weekend. So I know it's important to the success of that team for all of them to be successful. Um, but man, I just want to touch on this this record run here real quick. I don't know that we can really... I walked up to Mark Ingersoll, who, who calls the shots on that car from a tuning perspective, clutch, chassis, gear ratio, uh, four-link settings, etc. I walked up to him immediately after that run, and I just stuck my hand out and said, thank you, man. Like, congratulations. Holy crap. But thank you, because I'm super excited that I got to see that happen. Like, I can't... Like I just witnessed drag racing history. I mean, I don't know that we will. I don't know that that happens again. And then, I think uh, Aaron came up at last pair of that round six forty five with a seven. We thought everyone thought he was going forty four. I did. I thought he was. I joked but, with somebody that he's apt to go thirty nine. Like <laughs> he's apt to outrun everybody by five so, six and, numbers. And we know how that whole crew, the elite crew, but they really stepped up on Sunday. I mean, like Erica qualified. Aaron qualified number one with a six forty six with an eight. So he improved by a hundredth. Erica jumped from a 651 with a zero qualifying effort to a 645 with a zero, a 600 leap from qualifying 
to elimination. So that was just a hell of a run. I think both, that it just speaks those, to dude. They're completely are super fast. Like you know, like both those camps. It's crazy this year, right? What it what I saw is that people were so far out of their wheelhouse. I mean, they were there. These are air. I mean, at one point we were like damn near two thousand feet below sea level. I think the worst the conditions were going to be all day long were sea level. And like, I'm going to say that that track zero. that track was better than usual better than what they expect i think it was prepped a little bit tighter than what they expect just due to what they had to do to get it race ready so i think that it on had saturday for, the, for these cars to run what they did in, in in all of these classes and to harness the air it had to be good with my own eyes i saw that racetrack on saturday dead stop the tire of a nitro funny car i mean this thing slow shook I mean, it didn't blow the tires off like it was on ice. A lot of people see those cars go into tire smoke or immediately knock the tire off, and they think that it's they overpowered the track, right? And they broke traction. So many times, the case is actually they didn't have enough power to keep that thing spinning. The tire goes square, and it breaks traction that way by starting we heard, to we shake. We heard a couple crew chiefs say, hey, I didn't expect that. You know, no, so I didn't when, give it enough. Usually when you hear that, it's it's that they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough. And I just, that again, huge kudos, huge shout-out to the NHRA and the Safety Safari for giving these racers the track they did. But Pro Stock, just kind of continuing this conversation of the level of competition that we've arrived at, that show, what we have right now, uh, there was a round of racing, and I forgive me for not having it in front of me. Do you have the round results in front of you, Mike? Because you may be able to pull this up quicker than I did. But Yeah, which, in, which are you looking uh, for? Roger Brogdon, I believe it was in like the second round. Yeah, Roger Brogdon and Matt Hartford. 651 with a 5. 651 with a 5. The cars left almost identically, right? Roger Brogdon had an 036 light. Matt Hartford went 039, Three and they down. won identical elapsed times to the thousandth. Right. And I'm going, what you can't make this shit up like that. What a treat. I mean, to see that level of drag racing in such a diverse group of people. Right. We got Mason McGay. Hey, he looks like he's 12. Right. Roger Brogdon's like a silver haired, well to do businessman. Right. Dallas Glenn, young guy, you know, I mean, it's just it's cool to see this super eclectic, super diverse group of people competing like I don't know, there are there aren't that many sports where you could put Roger Brogdon right and and Matt Hartford side by side and have them compete equally that that equally right. I mean, height's going to come into play. You know, physical fitness is going to come into play. All these other things are going to come into play. But behind the wheel of those cars, man, they're pretty damn equal. And I think that's an incredible thing that drag racing that we don't celebrate enough is the we, we always talk about the track being you know the, the 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 great equalizer right well man drag racing there's a lot of great equalizer i mean the the format drag racing in itself racing these cars and you know that are all almost identical right 2350 pounds five speed manual transmission 500 inch uh naturally aspirated big blocks um running on gasoline i mean the, the men and women behind the wheel, they're able to compete on a level playing field. And it's a it's been an amazing thing to watch. The the corner, Pro Stock like turned the corner when they reduced the schedule and has been sprinting ever since. I, I still to this day, despite what we're seeing in Top Fuel and Funny Car, it's awesome. It's great. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, the most healthy division in all of prof professional drag racing is, is NHRA Pro Stock right now. Yep. Let's touch on uh, Camry Caruso. 
continued oh. her streak of impressive passes, went a 649 with a one at 213-10 uh, in the first round. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm mad at Camry. Let's talk to Jim. Let's talk about our conversation with with, with Jim. I'm I'm mad at Camry for making this look so easy. And I know it's not been, um, I mean, and it's, she's still learning. They've worked their ass off and there's a long way to go. I get it. She's getting experience. And we saw a couple things that she'll get ironed out in, in qualifying and first round of eliminations, but the car, I, I think, that will catch up, but to have that platform underneath them and have that car, we talked to Jim Yates at dinner that night, and he is like, over "Who's the, the crew moon. chief on Camry yeah. Caruso's Pro Stock entry?" Uh, joined the team, uh, which was announced at PRI. Uh, we actually went out to dinner at PRI. I think it was uh, it was was it the night of our party? I think it was. I think it was the night of our party. We went out to dinner with Jim Yates in the Caruso camp, and. I was really curious to see. I've been told in the past that Jim's great with a new driver. I've heard that a lot. That Jim Yates, if you're going to get somebody involved with your team and you've got a new driver, he's patient. Um, he's driven before. He, he's got a lot of experience. He's he's been in high pressure situations. He's he's won championships. Uh, he's had the big sponsorships. He knows a lot of the the nuances of the sport, and he's really a great communicator with uh, up and coming drivers. And what they've done. In the court over the course of the last couple of months, I mean, let's let's think about it. Like, let's do some comparison shopping here, right? We all went crazy last year about Dallas Glenn, and and again, you, we have to have these conversations. Otherwise, what we do is boring and lame, right? And it's it's not going to be fun for me or anybody else. But like Dallas Glenn, we we all went nuts about the breakout season this guy had. He was only supposed to run a handful of races, ends up running the whole champ the whole series competing for a championship, NHRA rookie of the year, drag illustrated breakout racer of the year. I mean, win winning awards and he deserves it all. But let's be honest. He was driving, he's part of a well-established, well-oiled machine. He jumped in a car that had won a world championship, right? I mean, he jumped in a he jumped into a proven platform and went out and he and listen it could be argued that that put a ton of pressure on him right it could be argued that that set him up for failure right because it would have been clear as day that Dallas was the problem if that team struggled right I mean it could be argued that Dallas was the weak link if they had struggled because hey man this is a team that wins races, wins championships. And if you can't get it done, I mean, KB Racing delivered a championship to, to lease customer Bo Butner a few years ago. I mean, they've done it before. And it's an impressive thing. That's not, you know, Greg Anderson is not the only te- car in that camp that wins a lot. You know, I mean, they've got a whole slew of badass hot rods. Now let's talk about what, what's happening with Camry Caruso and, and Caruso Family Racing. Never zero pro stock experience right? Never raced pro stock before. Teams up with Titan Racing Engines out of Denver, North Carolina, a brand new operation. Now, granted, it is a rebranded Gray Motorsports. Anybody that's in the know knows that the facility was purchased and, and rebranded Titan Motorsports. But I mean, by all accounts, they, they started they started with good stuff, good foundation. But putting all those parts and pieces together, brand new crew, brand new truck trailer, I mean, a car that was new to them, all these parts and pieces that they've never used before. I mean, you got to think Car- the Caruso family heritage is in pro mod racing, right? That's what we've seen. Supercharged Hemis, burning alcohol. I mean, they can't even run any of the fuel they have from previous years, right? You know, I mean, it's a completely start over moment. And to see what they've done inside of three races, I mean, she's qualified three I mean, races in a shocking. row. 
she's won a couple rounds. They've set top speed of the meet on a couple of occasions, I think. They were right. They ran in the 640s. I know people right now who would give you the everything they have, their children probably, <laughs> right, to run a 640 in a pro stock car. Like she's done something that so few human beings will ever do. I'm impressed, man. I mean, there's a couple things that I'm impressed about. Mike, why don't you talk about one of the things that you noticed I missed, but we later, I wasn't down there. I can't remember what I was doing. Probably running my mouth if I had to guess. But uh, you noticed Camry roll in and like just turn on the top bulb. The other driver, I think, turn on the top bulb and she rolled in, lit the bottom and went right to the wood, right? Yeah. With, three, with three lit, three bulbs lit. Yeah. And you're thinking at that point, oh no, you know, she's gonna, I mean, something bad is going to happen. She's going to roll through the light. She's going to you know, mess her, at, at, at best, she's going to get completely frazzled and, and miss a shift or, so, you know, something's right. going to go wrong. And we actually talked to Jimmy Yates about that at dinner and he kind of recounted the whole process too. And he was thinking the same thing, which was funny to think, to hear him say exactly that he was thinking, oh no. Yeah. I mean, he's standing he, behind the car with his yeah, headset on and he thinking, sees he's, this he's, car's pre-staged yeah. and Camry's on the two-step. Yeah. And he's thinking, oh no, let off. Then he's thinking, no, don't let off because so somehow they've got the shock set up and, and the timing and the way they, they, they recycle. Are, like, yeah. so if you come off the so throttle, once the thing's been, problems. once that clutch switch is engaged, for those that don't know, like all these cars have run dumps on them, pro stock cars specifically, they run dumps on the, on the rear shocks so that when they start, when they get down track, they'll drop the ass into the car. The shocks will, will drop right to get the back end of the car out of the air and, and be quicker, be faster. Right. But, that's on a, it's recycled when the throttle goes wide open or when that clutch switch or the, the throttle goes wide open. So if she would have let off the gas, it, it would have probably dumped the shocks early or immediately. And she'd have taken off with the back of the car, like the rockers on the ground. Right. And we've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen on a multitude of occasions. Definitely. And Jim Yates, he, he, he gave camera, he goes, that girl is a race car driver. He goes, she knew I can't let off the gas. Like, I've just got to hold this thing on the wood until he rolls in and stages. And there are veteran drivers that would have struggled in that in that situation. And to see her, you know, hold it together, go make a good run, run a 650 or whatever, it's what is happening in that camp. I'm really happy for him, man. I mean, they're uh, obviously Mark Caruso is like a homie. He's a buddy. He's somebody we've been friends with for a long, long, long time. Uh, Peter's drinking buddy. Tito's, uh, he's the double vodka Don. Um, but it's like, I, I, I'm happy for him. And I think that, that it's a, it's been a cool thing to see unfold in pro stock because I'm telling you, man, there are people that have been doing this for a long time that haven't seen the success. I'm talking about people who have been doing this for a decade that haven't seen the success that Camry Caruso has seen in three races. Nobody man. saw this coming. I mean, I don't think, I mean, to the success they've had so early, you know, they, I did. Thought, they, yeah. did they, 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 they did. They did internally. They did. They did. So they're they, they're really loving this. Right and they now. never yeah. doubt. I'm actually, and I pride myself on being like an eternally optimistic guy. And I I, I like to think I'm bold, and I, I have my moments or whatever. But the like steely eyed confidence that Mark Caruso's had about this deal. That's true. Since That's day true. one is kind of crazy. I mean, and I think a little bit. It, yeah, I just thought I think, it was Mark and, and his, you know, then he's you know supporting his daughter and, you know, like yeah, as far, right? as far chasing as like the, the dream, the, being, being optimistic about it. But I mean, he they set out to yeah. they, they want to be a contender. He told me last fall, last winter, when this whole thing was starting to come together, 
I told him, I asked him, I just said, Hey man, what's, what's victory look like? I like asking that question. Like, how do we define success? And that's, I mean, I actually, you know, not to uh, turn this into a self-help thing, but that's, that's an important question to ask a lot of times, right? Because you don't know how everybody measures things, right? T, I mean, it's, we deal with it in our advertising customers, yeah. right? Hey, what's success look like? What, what, what does success look like with this relationship? I mean, a year from now, six months from now, what do you want to be talking about? What do you want to be celebrating? I love asking that question. A year from now, after this relationship, or, or once we get this project started, what do we want to be celebrating today? right? Because that's going to help me decide what we need to do, what, what tools we need to put into work, what, you know, it, it really helps you develop a plan. And I asked that question of Mark Crusoe, like, Hey man, um, cause I wanted to kind of see what his expectations were. And he looked at me, what, what's, what's a se successful season of pro stock look like for the, for Crusoe family racing? What do you guys want to accomplish next year? And he literally without even like it wasn't like he labored over it. He goes, Oh man, a top five finish in the points, probably, you know, top five, top eight. Like if we don't finish in the top five or top eight, we're going to be really, really, really disappointed. And I thought to myself, wow, golly, Mark, I really <laughs> like you. Um, and it's take, but, and, and I, I was like, oh, 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 okay. And I said, now that's a big bite, old boy. You know what I mean? Like I was trying to be honest, like, Oh my gosh. If you, I mean, I know, you he know, would tell, he would tell anybody that would listen though. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I saw him on social media, you know, saying, Oh, you're going to be surprised. And, and, you know, and, and, and color us surprised. And I, want, I think you want, color you, us surprised. You, you want to bet you, you know, I mean, I saw him where he's wanting to bet a few guys, you know, yeah. where I mean, color, and, color yeah, me surprised, man. His money's I, where his mouth was. That whole team. Uh, I, I think honestly, I think about Papa Joe Caruso, um, Mark's father, Mark himself, uh, Papa Joe's wife, like the whole crew, uh, everybody at, uh, Titan racing engines as well. Chris Clark, Eric Latino, uh, Mike Smith, everybody involved with that program. I hope they're as proud of themselves as they should be. And listen, we, we, we love, we maintain a lot of friendships in the sport of drag racing, right? We, we're, I consider myself good friends with a whole bunch of these folks and there's different camps, right? I love the guys at KB, love the guys at elite motorsports, but that doesn't mean I don't, I love Frank Iaconio. I love Kenny Delco. I mean, we shot this shit, but Kenny and I were both walking around the Gator nationals this past weekend in like bionic arms because he had rotator cuff surgery a few weeks ago. But these are the sport of drag racing. I've truly believe is, is chock full of incredible people and I, and I love them all really but I'm glad to see a, a, a fresh face in pro stock right I mean it would have been cool like I don't know that I would have been totally devastated had Camry Caruso like driven an elite motorsports team car or driven joined the KB racing camp or whatever but if we're if we're thinking about this broad perspective what's best for the sport her having her own deal, a new team entering the fold is the best possible case, the best case scenario. And think to see them have success, this is a good deal. This is great for drag racing. Think how devastating this is to someone, like say you've been in the sport and been in this class and put yeah, in that's what Wes all was this work. It, and, and that's and, the way it's been. And, 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 and this girl comes out of nowhere and putting you on the trailer you, oh, know, you know what i mean you know, i mean like, and she's quickly heck? like yeah she's only going to get better i mean i don't see her regressing you know like as a driver so if we're seeing this now it, it will be and there's been a, you know what there's a couple other wrinkles uh to this that i think are, are worth noting i was genuinely concerned uh i i knew that i introduced mark caruso to elon warner uh, Warner Communications, who I believe to be pretty much the, the Cadillac of, of rate drag racing media people right now, the Cadillac of, of PR representatives, right? That guy does a great job keeping his drivers in front of people, keeping them 
uh, in the news, in the headlines, does a fantastic job. And I introduced Mark uh, to Elon, and the next thing I know, you know, Mark's you know bringing Elon on to represent Caruso Family Racing, to represent Camry, and. I got a little nervous because at PRI, you know, Camry's doing an interview here and an interview there. She's on this stage. She's on that stage. And I thought to myself, I understand the reason for doing this. And it's probably how I would do it. And I would live with the consequences, right? Because I'm a, I'm a pomp and circumstance and a celebration and PR guy. That's, I, be, I'm a, I believe in it. But I thought about the pressure that would be put on my daughter. Now, granted, my little girl's seven years old and, and uh, I'm anxious. I hope that I... I think she's going to be the type of young woman that I would have the faith in to to do what this group of people did for Camry. But man, they put a lot of pressure on this young lady's shoulders, right? I mean, the expectations, I mean, there was a press release every day, right? Jim Yates, crew chief, this new sponsor, this new car, this new sponsor, this new relationship, um, committing to all 18 races. They took a big bite. The Carusos took a big bite of pro stock and I was worried about the pressure the ex that they were heaping on the shoulders of Camry because I actually had a conversation with the whole group and say, hey, I feel like there's two distinct ways to do this. There's, there's rollout bells and whistles, right? Which is kind of the drag illustrated way. You know, I mean, I, I remember what it felt like the first time I said out loud that the inaugural World Series of Pro Mod was the biggest, richest Pro Mod drag race in the history of the known universe, right? It hadn't even happened yet. Right. Yeah. But I'm telling people it's the biggest thing that's ever happened. And I believe it. And I still believe it. But I mean, I, and I, but I also know that's how I like to do things. But it's also not for everybody. It's not for the faint of heart. Right. Because you're you instantaneously have a whole world of people. Wishing you to fail, hating on that idea, going, oh, What's he doing saying it's the biggest race ever? What what are they doing saying Camry Caruso is the the a, a, a favorite for the for rookie of the year, right? I mean, you you kind of plant those seeds a little bit. And I was genuinely concerned if how Camry would handle that as a young woman in a fierce environment, highly competitive. I mean, man, this is a big jump, you know, going into the NHRA pro stock world. The other pathway is to kind of be quiet. And this is that's what I told the gang. I said, hey, look, you can go full bull or excuse me, full tilt boogie, right? Shouting from the rafters about this deal, or we can be kind of quiet, sneak up on everybody, come out of left field, right? Oh, I didn't know Camry was coming to this race. Oh, I didn't know they were running all 18. They chose the bells and whistles and shouting from the rooftops, and man, she has delivered at on every level, to be honest. I've seen her, I mean, she's doing the media stuff. They've got the back of the trailer set up with right trailers. They're capturing data. They're, they're engaging fans. She's got merch on the midway. I don't know that you can do it much better than they've done it, to be honest with you. True. It's true. Hey, hey while I got uh, Jay, uh, Mike in between commentary here, I want to remind everybody, friends and racers, the West Buck Show is brought to you by the team at Elite HP. Great timing. The world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real deal drag racers with over 100 years of combined racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs whether it's a turnkey pro mod or a set of projects or something in between you can check out their entire inventory at elitehp.com as always make sure you tell them the guys at the west buck show sent you let's uh let's move on down i obviously um i'm no sort of uh pro stock motorcycle uh, uh, uh savant or anything like that but I, I think i had my first real fanboy moment for Pro Stock Motorcycle this past weekend when Karen Stouffer 
ripped down through the quarter mile at Gainesville Raceway and clicked off a jaw-dropping, I mean jaw-dropping, 6.665 second run on her Suzuki. Uh, Stunning, right? I mean, an absolute stunning run. Karen Stouffer, according to Josh Hatchett's notes here, made four of the five quickest runs in pro stock motorcycle history this past weekend four of the five quickest runs first in the 660s then lowered uh the record from 668 i believe is what she ran the first time she went 666 with a five her run of 6.700 in the finals was the third quickest of all time she's advanced to four straight finals dating back to last year what a moment i i mean listen we've seen some great competition over the years in pro stock motorcycle mike JT, we really have. But am I wrong? Uh, Mike, you were down there on the big end when we we were down there about 1,000 feet when Karen came by uh, and busted off that 66 run. And I don't know that I've ever been that impressed by anything on two wheels in my life. Yeah, it's wild, man. I mean, these the thing that I think that we're missing is she's been to four straight finals dating back to last year. It kind of seems like, what's going on over there in the Stouffer camp? Where did this come from? But if you look back to last year, you kind of saw this coming. They've got something figured out over there. And I wonder how long it'll take. I mean, they've got they got four or five numbers on the rest of the field, it looks like, if you if you compare these numbers. Uh, Angie Smith, she did a great job, obviously, also carrying the Matt Smith Racing banner into the finals after Matt had trouble in the first round. Uh, so, again, that's impressive. That, that it, We've seen new blood and new energy injected into Pro Stock Motorcycle via – the the Harley deal kind of taking a step back. We've seen some changes with Good with point. that with the Vance and Hines thing, um, and the Suzukis are really out front now. Uh, what I'm interested to see, or or I wanted to talk about as far as relating back to what we were talking about in Pro Stock, is the female aspect of this. These ladies, this this class is chock full of awesome female riders, and to have that was that we were talking about is that the first all-female pro stock motorcycle final. It wasn't, but I think it's like the third or fourth in the history of the class. But to see that class have that diversity as well is something awesome. So it's a feather in the cap of drag race. class out when we're talking about how hot Top Fuel, Funny Car, and Pro Stock are because we're seeing some new blood, some new energy, sort of some changing of the guard there as well. And I think that the, there's a real pathway for a solid future, right? I mean, having scrappers racing in the Mike Salinas camp get involved with Matt Smith racing. Yep. And, you know, obviously uh, uh, Gianna is sidelined right now. But once we see her back on a bike, uh, I mean, there's a there's a clear pathway, in my opinion, for the for pro stock motorcycle to stay healthy for a hot minute, for a yep. while. And it's exciting. And it's a great uh, opportunity to talk about health and wellness. And uh, here as we roll into the the close of the second hour of the West Buck show, and I want to thank everybody again. I, I still have to kind of pinch myself that we get to talk about drag racing and call it our job. Mike, we had a couple of those moments this weekend, right? When we we're, you know, down near the starting line or up in the media center or hanging out with in Don Schumacher's pit area. And I'm going, what are we doing here? Like, how in the hell did this happen, right? With how copies we, of Drag Illustrated everywhere, Brett Underwood distributing those and and really kind of spreading that message. The enthusiasm and excitement is definitely high uh, across the board and here with our group as well. It's, it's an exciting time all around. It really is, man. I mean, it was like, this is this is bananas, you know? And it's it's cool to see how far this has come. And I, and I bring that up 
because I just want to say thanks again. Everybody who tunes in every week, subscribes to Drag Illustrated, listens along, subscribes to the podcast. If you haven't, log on to YouTube.com, type in Drag Illustrated, give us a subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Quite active on both those platforms. Uh, we got a TikTok account uh, rocking and rolling. We're, we're active via email. So log on to DragIllustrated.com and get involved with what we're doing. Subscribe to the magazine. Jump on the email list. Get involved in these shows. Dive into the comments. It makes a huge difference. And I drew, I truly believe, I understand this is my business and it may sound self-serving, it may sound biased, but we're, we're doing good work here. I mean, this has to happen. And it's, I don't want it to be just us. I want it to be, I want there to be tons of talking heads in the sport of drag racing. I want there to be a lot of personalities because I see that being what other sports have, right? There's a lot of people analyzing the sport through the week. There's a lot of people offering their opinion or producing hot takes, right? I mean, there's there's media members from ESPN and Fox Sports that are like real, real deal celebrities, right? That have real deal. Stephen A. Smith is like as well known as almost anybody in, in sports, right? And he doesn't, he's not a former athlete. He's a guy commenting on it and providing his input, providing his perspective. So I, I really appreciate everybody that has rallied around us for the last 16 years, rallied around this show for the last five years, because I think we've only scratched the surface of what's, what's possible and what could happen for the sport of drag racing. I truly believe without a shadow of a doubt, this is the great American motorsport. Everybody can understand a drag race. It's as simple as a fist fight, right? We just do them in cars. And I just think that it's we're nowhere near where we could go and it takes all of us and it takes all of you so thank you all for your support and everything you do let's talk a little bit about pro modified drag racing this is a hotly discussed hotly debated topic on the uh, on the internet right now across social media my phone's been ringing I, i'll try to set the stage mike help me if i miss anything first off we had a a really great drag race. 16 cars showed up down in Gainesville. That's part of the conversation we're going to have. 16 cars down at the season opening in HRA Gator Nationals for the Pro Mods, the first of their 12 race series here in 2022. We're going to see some shakeups on the schedule that we'll talk about later. I don't want to burn up time today talking about it, but we're going to see the Pro Mods uh, uh, go to some new tracks and some different venues here in 2022. Excited about that. But the car count was a big talking point headed into the weekend. Are they going to have enough cars to have a full field? They did. FDI Performance, one of Paul Lee's companies, the torque converter company based out of Florida, steps up, sponsors the race, ensures they're a purse. Uh, and Chris Thorne goes out and gets it. Tuning, uh, led by Jamie Miller, who we've been talking a lot of a lot about here in recent weeks on the West Buck show. Jamie Miller is a well-known crew chief for hire. He's associated with a handful of teams quite closely. One he's of badass. The, he's a badass man. Ken Cartuccio's uh, Radio vs. the World and Outlaw Pro Mod operation. You know, they just won lights out. 13 incredible performance down there. Uh, and and Jamie Miller as a crew chief backed that performance up by uh providing Chris Thorne the hot rod to win his first ever NHRA Pro Mod Drag Race. No runs heading into Sunday and is in the 560s four straight times in a row, including a, I believe, jaw-dropping, stunning 5.642 second run in the final round behind the wheel of that Jerry Bickle built Pro-Line, Pro-Charger-powered Chevy Camaro. Uh, goes 0-15 in the finals and 0-25 against Jose Gonzalez in the, in the semifinals incredible job by Chris Thorne as a driver, the equally incredible job by that entire team led by, like I said, Jamie Miller. Uh, I called Jamie yesterday. 
uh, just to congratulate him. The old boy was beside himself, you know, uh, just so happy that getting that chip off your shoulder, your NHRA win, you know, winning at that level, it reminds us, right? This is a guy who's done a whole lot of winning, tuned to cars uh, to a whole lot of world records, had a lot of success, but going and winning an NHRA Wally and doing it at the freaking Gator Nationals, he I was pumped. Oh man, I mean, you could see it. And you could see him kind of anticipating it, right? I think they knew after even the first round when that thing went 568 off the trailer, uh, and he wasn't intending to run that. I actually asked Jamie, I said, man, when that thing went 568 in E1, were you surprised? Because I was. Like, I, I'm not trying to shortchange you guys, not trying to, you know, say that I can't, I didn't expect you to run good, but I didn't expect that. And he's like, no, dude, I thought it was going to run like a 72, 3, maybe even a 74. Like, that's that's what we went up there to run. Like, that's what that's what we, we thought. Heard we, 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 heard we heard that a lot. We heard that a lot. We heard that a lot. We heard that across the board in, in several other classes too. I think it's because the air was just in unknown territory. Yeah. You, you kind of can predict, hope to predict based on your other mine shaft conditions, but it was just kind of on another level. The barometer was high. Um, everything was aligning. I, I think there was a lot of surprise performances out of people's own cars and their own combination uh, across the board. I think that something that stood out to me, I'm just looking at the numbers. First off, the, the fact they had 16 cars was great. Um, only two nitrous cars, and both nitrous cars are fielded by Ricky Smith Racing. But we had Tyler Miller, who is uh, um, uh, Russell Miller's son, PD Fleet, Darlington yep. Dragway, that whole crew stepping up in NHRA drag racing in a nitrous car. He's traditionally uh, driven a blown car. They're excited to be uh, teamed up with Ricky. He goes out first round and runs a 571 with a six at 252 the second quickest pass in the first round of eliminations the only person that was quicker was chris thorne with a 68 so that was a hell of a run for that combination and really his first no qualifying yeah. no nothing first pass down the track <laughs> e1 sunday in mind shift conditions with a nitrous car which is just all kinds of scary and damn near beats jose gonzalez had to line up against the world champion Can you only imagine? because there was no uh, qualifying. If this guy had gotten a qualifying run, he would have probably been at least middle of the pack, maybe better, and had a better shot. But he had to go up against Jose Gonzalez. Uh, let's see, he put a 053, or um, Jose put a 027 light on his 053 and actually won on a whole shot, 573 with a zero to Tyler's 571. So it took the world champ a whole shot to beat a guy who's making his literally his first pass debut in NHRA drag racing. I, my hat's off to the whole Miller camp to uh, that whole operation. And obviously to Ricky as well for giving them that platform. It's truly, I think that's an, another one of those going, just making it look easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it goes to show you like what, what happens when you have the best parts and pieces you he's have a good experienced driver. He stepped away for a little is. while, but he's back and he, We've always said that we, we we hated to see him step away for a little while, but I'm glad he's back because he's a talented young guy. He is, and he's like a good looking kid, well spoken. It's a great family. They've got history in the sport, like you said, owns Darlington Dragway. I I think that there's a lot of reasons to be really excited about him being out here racing at a, at an extremely high level. That was a hell of a way the other, to uh, get in, get welcomed in yeah. to the pro mod party. The other shout out to another newcomer, Mike Thielen, with a good looking. Uh, Get your helicopter license car. I don't know exactly what the sponsor is, but it looks awesome. And it's he's he's got a business based in helicopter flying. Um, a guy out of Olympia, Washington, T 
teamed up with Mike Janice, got the whole Janice combination going there. And also shout out to the Janice camp. Yes. They're fielding or involved in like a half dozen cars out there. And if we didn't have the Janice crew out there, you know, waving that flag, we, this class would be, I guess we could say in even more trouble as far as car count, but um, spoke with Mike Janice jr. For a little bit on the starting line. He's enthusiastic about everything they've got going on this year. Um, and we saw it with this Mike Thielen car. He went all the way to the semifinals, lost to Sydney Frigo in the semis. Um, and again, and also shout out to Sydney Frigo. First race has been gone for a year or two, right? Because of COVID, international travel restrictions. That's a Brazilian-based race team. This is a new car, a uh, new combination to them, I believe. So uh, I don't know what kind of testing has gone on before that, but... Um, is it a, is it a new car or is it a car yeah, it's a that relatively, they got? You know, it's a new car. It's the car that uh, has been finished was finished by Modern Racing. Yeah, converted. Uh, started its right. life uh, at at Jerry Bickle Race Cars and made its way to your neck of the woods out there yeah. in Mooresville, North Carolina. So there's the, the the point is there's some fresh blood here. There's some enthusiasm. There's some things happening in this class, and we'll we'll see where it ends up for the rest of the year. Mike's Mike's just laying out the shout outs. Shout yeah, out, no, shout, out. shout out. Are you gonna shout get a shout out, out from Mike Carpenter? Let's shout see out Carpenter. Yeah, let's see who's yeah. gonna get Did a I, shout out. Did I say out. shout out a lot? That's gonna be a new drinking game. Okay. Oh good. I don't know. I was just you reading up these stats. Shout out to the shout out, man. <laughs> well, hey, I do want to touch with a new word. We saw a whole lot of great drag racing in Pro Mod, and I and I I think it's worth mentioning, you know, at the beginning of the show, we really spent a lot of time beating the drum of what these racers are willing to do. You want to see that taken to an entirely new, almost obscene level? Talk about having 16 guys, many of which towed across country, not knowing if there was going to be a purse, friends. I mean, as of the week of this past weekend's NHRA Gator Nationals, there wasn't any purse money allocated for the Pro Mod field. And if it wasn't for FTI Performance stepping up and sponsoring the program, there would not have been a purse. And I actually am genuinely curious what would have happened had that not happened. I mean, thank God it did. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not a doomsdayist at all. That role's pretty well uh, established here in the sport of drag racing. But like, I, I, I don't know that, I mean, man, what would have happened? I don't know. I, I may, we may find out sooner rather than later. We may find out because I, I don't know what all is in the pipeline. I do. I'm also an optimistic guy. I read an article on competitionplus.com uh, yesterday, an article that was kind of a prospectus piece from Bobby Bennett, where he kind of pulled a handful of NHRA Pro Mod drivers. I believe he spoke with Stevie Jackson, someone else. He also spoke with Ned Walliser from NHRA, trying to kind of decide and, and provide some sort of perspective on what is going on in quarter mile NHRA Pro Mod drag racing. And I found the article really interesting to read. I mean, it's it, it does a, a good job of kind of laying out the details of what's going on right now. I mean, if you remember um, a few years ago, Danny Rowe, Steve Matusik, Troy Coughlin, Mike Castellana, Harry Ruska, there was a slew of guys got together and formed the, the original Real Pro Mod Association, which became known as RPM. Uh, and they basically became the the representative of ProMod in the NHRA. They were kind of the go-between. They were the association or the organization that that housed, organized, spearheaded all the efforts uh, to keep ProMod drag racing inside the NHRA on the quarter mile headed in the right direction. They It was an interesting thing, and there was a lot of people that didn't like the way it worked. They felt there were politics involved and that it was a country club and it was pay to play. I heard that a lot. But the real fact of the matter is that this was just a group of people um, led by Danny Rowe. And I think toward the end was almost 
only occupied by Danny Rowe. Uh, toward the end, it was Danny Rowe and Steve Matusik, the, the tag team, really spearheading every conversation with NHRA about the future of ProMod, talking about sponsor relations, talking about rules, talking about car count, talking about parking, talking about the needs and wants of this group of racers. In 2019, uh, as Danny Rowe had stepped away, retired from full-time drag racing competition, um, he stepped away. The, NH the class was in a really great place. I believe there was 30-something cars at the U.S. Nationals that year. I mean, there were more pro mods than they really had room for. And there was a dozen cars on chassis jigs and in shops and on projects around the country getting ready to go racing in 2020. Obviously, the, the world put the brakes on with COVID, and I, and I definitely think the conditions that exist in our world today have contributed to the situation we find ourselves in with ProMod. But really, the, the RPM group was disbanded, and they gave the keys to the castle, so to speak, handed the class over on a silver platter to the NHRA for the NHRA to do with it as they please. Now, there was some agreements. There was some discussion about how this is going to work. And, you know, at the time, there was an agreement made that the, the entry fee for ProMod competitors would be based on a sliding scale. If there were this many cars, this would be the entry fee, a very reasonable number. But for as the car count goes down, the entry fee would go up because the NHRA had kind of like a, a, a number that they needed to hit to get into the black on the ProMod program. And, and I think everybody wants to see the NHRA successful and wants to see them profitable or make money at least or whatever or be in a good position. I understand they're a nonprofit organization, right? I mean, we can have that conversation later, but we want to see the NHRA do well. Um, nobody could have anticipated the things that happen in the world because headed into 2020 or by the time we start talking about ProMod racing and in 2021, that sliding scale is not working as well as it once did. Right now, we've barely got enough cars to fill the field and we've got teams paying 1500 bucks to enter the race on top of paying five, six, seven dollars a gallon for diesel, on top of having to run their cars down the quarter mile and, and produce 5.6 second runs, hotels which is hotels, food. airfare, travel expenses, food, drink, all these things that it takes to go drag racing. They've also got to pay fifteen hundred dollars just to get in the gate, right? As well as buy passes for all their guys. I mean, it's a it's a it's a big investment. It really is. So, and I don't know that anybody could have predicted it, but I guess I just want to, you know, discuss this a little bit because it's been so hotly contested. I mean, for what it's worth, from my perspective, when I look at the sport of drag racing, and we talked about this off the air, and I'm going to challenge you know the two of you to have a little bit of this conversation with me out here in the open. I'm super happy to see Top Fuel, Funny Car, Pro Stock, Pro Stock Motorcycle so healthy. And I think that we're seeing the NHRA really lean into that, right? And who could blame them? We, we, I don't know that it can even be argued that Nitro sells the tickets, right? I mean, you can see it. When people leave the stands, I will admit I was surprised on multiple occasions this past weekend in Gainesville how full the stands were for Pro Stock, how full the stands were for Pro Mod. They right? were, yeah. We saw, I think we saw less of that exodus. When yes, the field classes good. which is really good. Yeah. But I do think we have to kind of ask ourselves: like we're in a we're in a going green area, right? The, I mean, it could be argued that this is a wartime period, right? We're fresh off a, a, a global pandemic. Uh, electric vehicles are coming. I saw an ad on television last night for a brand of electric vehicle that I'd never even heard of. I'm going, these things are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, you've got foreign Polestar. Polestar. I, I saw, you know, there's European nations that are saying in 2023 or 2000 or 2025, they're going to ban the sale of com internal combustion engines. I mean, vehicles with, uh, with internal combustion engines. I mean, we're in a wild time. So I have to ask myself, long-term thinking, 
And that's never something that I'm super fond of, right? I like talking about the here and now. But long-term wise, I mean, I, I just get a little bit afraid of, their, of the NHRA because we're in a, a heady moment putting all their eggs in the nitro basket and kind of turning a blind eye to ProMod because inside that competitionplus.com article, and you know, I consider Ned, Ned Walliser, uh, uh, I can't think of his job title, maybe you know off the top of your hand, but he's high up, obviously. Director of Competition. Or Director of Competition like that, right? at the NHRA. Um, there's a quote in there that you know the NHRA sees a bright future for ProMod inside of the NHRA. And I found that interesting, you know, because I think that we're gonna, they're going to be challenged to prove it. That's my... Uh, I can't count how many times yeah, they're as a gonna business have to owner. They're gonna have to I can't that. count how many times as a business owner I've had to invest. And I've had to invest before it was a surefire thing. I've had to stick my neck out, sign the dotted line, borrow money from a bank, whatever. You know, I've had to stick my neck out and roll the that's, dice that, because I believed that something had a bright future, right? But that's and where they're dropping the ball. That's you what know, I'm I mean, saying. I mean, I mean, they're gonna have and to. And that's, and that's not just in them having to invest let's maybe get your staff out you know go go sell more sponsorships you know get more companies on board well that's always that, been but, that's but always been on the to, backs but that's the, what we have to do guys. but that's what we have to do you know in, in our business you know and that's sell, what most we it's, more it's about, if we want to go to more events if we want to go do this if we want to have a race we got to come up with sponsorship money you know there's a couple things and and they need to do that like it's it's ridiculous and I know we talked about, or I talked about this with you guys before, but it's ridiculous that there was a golf tournament this weekend down there that had a $20 million purse and uh, Cam Smith that won it got like $3.5 million, you know, and here we are like, you know, I pay $1,500 to race for five grand. I mean, you know, and, on, and I mean, man. listen, I understand that we're comparing. Though, these are professionals though. Yeah. You're, you're telling me you can't go out and sell the NHRA to someone with the, the, the stands packed like they were last week. And you can't go to a company and go, look, you're going to get this. You know, well, you can, and NHRA does in within their, not their enough core classes, their core not enough, classes, not enough. Pro mod is something they treat as you come to us with all the goods. It's still not enough. And we'll across put it on the board there. though, Mike. No, no, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you totally, but we're talking about pro mod in particular, right. the way they but, treat it differently that the racers have to come to them with the funding, with the representation. And that's what they lost with RPM. I, I, but I the, think Mike's right. Like, or, or JT, the point you make is valid. Like, I understand we're comparing apples and oranges when we're talking about like the PGA and NHRA, right? Yeah, but, but, but still, it's... But you're right. I mean, and I, I'm telling you, if any time... NHRA has I've to treat ProMod that way. They, they have do. to go out and tr and sell it as part of their package. Like Because do, what happens when inevitably, in my opinion, inevitably... I mean, we actually had a discussion on here last week with, with Freddie Terza from VP Racing Fuels about just the complexity of acquiring nitromethane. I mean, they produce the stuff in the United States, but you can't get it to go racing, right? I mean, we have to import nitromethane from China to support our hobby that we have, you know, labored over for decades about how expensive it is and how hard, you know, how hard it is to, I mean, holy crap. I mean, think about that. So my opinion it's just that when I think about, when I hear somebody say, we believe that ProMod has a bright future inside the NHRA, I'm immediately wanting to challenge them and say, prove it. 
Show me, prove it to me that you believe, because I'm telling you, man, your pie is this big. You got to give them a slice. You got to give them a slice. And, and especially if you don't want to find yourself 10 years down the road, like caught with your pants down because these are, these are uncertain times, right? Pro mod. It's been uncertain until now. And when the, when the uh, core classes were struggling pro mod, I believed helped keep that deal afloat as far as interest and I know for a fact that it was important to track owners. I know for a fact that it was important to track owners because I've asked them. I called and and asked and they said, I mean, there were track owners that flipped out when ProMod wasn't on their their list because they knew that they could probably get 24, 30 high level cars. And again, people don't understand that it goes beyond the on-track product. That's 24 to 30 tractor trailers in your pits that's 24 to 30 more teams for your fans to go watch wrench on their cars and like it adds to the entertainment value it adva- it adds dramatically there were some popular guys at that time too you yeah. know like they, they had a big fan base well that's also think of a charlotte virginia uh, atlanta bristol the the tracks that are around here that's this is pro mod country those guys want pro mod in their national event a hundred percent. Like if, I mean, I don't think Virginia Motorsports Park would have a race without ProMod. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there, there are some of these Florida, that it's a pass fail. I mean, it is a pass fail. I don't think you could have, I don't think you could have the, the NHRA Gator Nationals and not have ProMod down there. I mean, it'd be a problem. People, we asked and we bumped into a lot of people and Mike and I were actually, we, we talked about had the weather been nicer and we, we thought about it a little bit uh, earlier, we should have hired some college kid or something to stand at the base of the of the tower or the, excuse me, stand at the base of the grandstands and just poll fans like political polling, like poll these people, ask them what they like, why they're here, who their favorite driver is to get a little bit of data about what these people think and feel about stuff. But anyways, I, the time is now because if the NHRA doesn't want to catch themselves in another situation where they've only got eight top fuel cars touring the country, they've only got 12 funny cars or whatever the case may be. And funny cars looking better than it has for a while, but it's still not I mean, we're still not seeing cars coming out of the woodwork necessarily, right? I mean, it's still a pretty, I mean, what are there, 22 funny cars on the planet or something like that? How many pro mod cars are there? And I mean, I, I just, I know that people perhaps get tired of hearing me say this, but man, you've got a real foundation with pro modified. I mean, there's like 150 at least cars in the country right now that with relatively minor changes could be running NHRA pro mod. I mean, that, there's a ton of these things. I mean, they are like, they're everywhere. There's all these different series that exist for them. There's all these different shootouts. There's all these independent races that go on. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of options and a lot of places for a guy with a pro mod to race. And they're way less expensive than a top fuel team, right? I mean, we've had Clay Milliken right here on this show say that, you know, you can go run at a championship level in top fuel for a million and a half dollars. Well, you can field two, three, four pro mods for that probably, right? I mean, and I think if the NHRA has any, if they believe, if they really believe that pro mod has a bright future within the, the, the confines of that, that oval, that red, white, and blue oval, the NHRA, they're going to have to prove it and they, and they need to now because I hope they don't wait till they've got a problem in those other classes to start paying attention to pro mod again. Cause that's what I feel is happening. 100%. They paid attention to pro mod when they needed pro mod, but now that they don't need pro mod, they could give two shits it's, left. It's become this headache that they don't want to deal with because pro mod is a, it's a tough class to manage. We've probably seen that the with hardest the different combinations and just the personalities of the racers that choose that path. 
it's a tough deal to manage. And, and it's been like uh, raising a, a wild child or something up to this point. I mean, I want to see the NHRA to take money from someone else. Like, in, I mean, right now it pays $10,000 to qualify in, in top fuel in funny car, right? I mean, if you qualify, you're going to get $10,000 and that's great. And I, I don't really want to see that change, but I mean, there was a lot of rumors headed out of 2021 into 22 that NHRA. And I mean, listen, I'm not trying to air out anybody's dirty laundry was looking for ways to spend money, right? Because they had had better years during COVID during co the COVID-19 crisis than they thought they were going to have. They pulled back in all these places, made cuts with their workforce, right? Reduced purses, pulled back on this, pulled back on that. And then at the end of the year, they go, holy shit, we still had a, we still, we guess we got some bread we got to get rid of. We got to do something with, man, let's get some of that bread headed towards those guys parked down in the gravel and the swamplands and, and with their race car, with their projects on plywood. Let's, let's put some purse money towards those guys because I don't know, you're not going to convince me that you believe anything good about this particular brand of drag racing. If you're not willing to put some skin in the game to get invested. I mean, at the bare minimum, I don't think it would be too much to ask to see all the entry fees go toward the purse. If you can't come up with a sponsor, I get it. I get this. It's not easy. I mean, people think it's easy, but it's not easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, you guys know the, the pressure that at various times we've felt to live up to our sponsorship obligations. And, you know, the there, it's a tough deal. I'm not ever going to say that it's easy, but man, you could you could really get this thing headed in the right direction if you just took all the purse money or excuse me, entry fee money, and you want to see guys stop talking, stop complaining about what the entry fee is, put them in a position to get it back, right? I mean, yeah. you would have had 16 cars this past weekend, $1,500 a pop, guys. Simple math, $24,000. That was more than double, well, not double, but that was almost double what was put up for sponsorship money for the, for the event. I mean, you could have had a pretty damn good drag race with $24,000. You could have put ten grand up to win and paid back a little bit. And I think you would have had a whole lot of people pretty damn happy. But when you take that $24,000 and say, hey, we got to earmark this for administrative fees and paying this and paying that. This is a, this it it is heads in the wrong direction in a real quick. It's just ridiculous. I mean, like listen, when listen you throw to these post. numbers around, it's, it's just nuts to even think about. Let me, I, let me I think, read personally. this post by Steve Matusik, who uh, a longtime pro mod racer, member of the RPM, a group who is no longer involved in the class, but he's also he's treasurer of SEMA now, used to uh, be president of Aeromotive, guy that really knows his stuff. Obviously, I don't have to tell you his qualifications. We're going to have him on the show in a couple of a couple yeah. days here. Yeah, he, uh, he, he read this article and his reaction to it, to this quote. And while those participating do pay an entry fee of $1,500 per race, those costs go into operations associated with running the class, is what you just said, Wes. His reaction of that is, let's break down that cost. When ProMod isn't racing from NHRA, uh, who from NHRA stays home? So what increased cost do you have at NHRA by having ProMod there? How many employees did they hire for ProMod? What is the incremental cost in materials, supplies, et cetera? I'm not saying NHRA shouldn't make money, but don't lie about the costs associated with running the class. The purse, as well as 100% of the gate from spectators coming to see ProMod is pure profit. NHRA cares about the revenue the class puts in their coffers, not the class. Sorry to say this. So I mean, to be honest with you guys, it's very, it's very difficult to argue with, right? And I'm an optimistic guy and I don't want to, I mean, we're not trying to be negative and I want to preface like, I'm going to, I wish I would have said this at the beginning, uh, but, and I'll, but I'll say it now, like this is all coming. Even Steve Matusik, that's coming from the best possible place. 
It's just, we really do care. Like we really, really care about this particular type of drag racing and this, and we know the potential. We see it. We, we see that it, it isn't taking street outlaws. They're not having to run nitro from China to put on a show, right? They're not having to do that. There's proof. There is proof right now that you can entertain a crowd and you can sell tickets and you can put on a show without, without nitromethane, right? And pro-modified cars are that vehicle. There are cars that still, they are passenger vehicles. They still look like cars. They still, it's a 69 Camaro versus a 67 Mustang. It's a new Corvette versus a new Camaro. I mean, it's, it, it has had so more than many one person layers. tell us that outside of the fuel classes, people were there to see pro-mod. We had more than one and high level guys that we had this conversation us, yeah, with. Yeah, tell us that. Hey, yeah, I think as many people are here to see pro mod as the fuel classes. Now, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but his point was outside of the fuel classes, this is that's what, what this is the out. most exciting class, and this is what people are here to see. So you start thinking about door cars running covering the quarter mile in five and a half seconds at over 250 miles an hour. We're still racing a quarter mile. I mean, there's a lot of positives, a lot of positives. I mean, we have cars from all around the world. I mean, we don't have, I mean, I get frustrated guys because it, you look at pro mod, what more can you ask for? I mean, we got a guy from Brazil, right? Sydney Frigo. We got, a, we got a car from uh, the middle East, right? We got, you know, Khaled Al Belushi out here from, from Dubai, right? I mean, we've got, we've seen drivers from all over the, the world, all over the world participate in this single eliminator, travel to America to participate in this brand of drag racing. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Pro modified is the universal language of drag racing. I believe it's the only form of drag racing that is truly successful on a global scale. Like there is great drag racing going on in the Middle East. There is great drag racing going on, pro mod drag racing going on in the Middle East. There's great pro mod drag racing going on in Australia. There's great pro mod drag racing going on in Canada, right? I mean, there's great pro mod drag racing going on damn near on every street corner here in the United States of America, the good old US of A. This is an incredible thing. This is a moment in time that we're going to regret letting go of. We're going to regret letting, letting this fire fizzle. In 2019, the quarter mile pro mod deal was the hottest thing in drag racing. You had people building cars, buying spots from one another. I mean, at one point in time, you basically had to agree to sponsor a race or bring a sponsor roughly $20,000 to even get to race, right? right? Nice. Now these guys are showing up to races and nobody's paying. I mean, the only thing being paid is entry fees and nobody knows where that money goes. It's a really troubling situation. And I'm challenging the NHRA. You know, I understand heavy is the head that wears a crown and you guys have a lot, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, don't envy your position. I really don't. And it's, I get it. It's a lot of people to please, a lot of people to try to keep happy, a lot of balls in the air. I get it. I totally get it. But if you're going to say things like you believe there's a bright future for pro modified within the NHRA, I'm going to need you to prove it. I'm going to need you to show me because I think there's some quick and easy fixes. I really do, man. I mean, I was going to challenge you guys to go around the room here. Like, how do we fix it? How do we get pro modified back to the, to the shape excuse me, shape that it was in, in 2018 and 19 when we had more cars than we need. And I got to tell you, I mean, if you could make these guys, if you could put a little bit of money in, if you could demonstrate that you're willing to invest, I mean, what if it wasn't forever? Can you imagine how well-received it would be if the NHRA came out right now and said, hey, on the heels of the conversation that's going on and the, the weekend that we had in Gainesville and recognizing what the, 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 
the bright future that we want for Pro Modified in inside the NHRA, we're going to take all the entry fees for the remainder of 2022 and we're going to put that into the purse fund. We, we cannot promise or we cannot commit to doing this forever. But that's how we're going to prove to you that is the quickest and easiest way the NHRA can tell these racers that we, we want you here. It's a goodwill gesture. It's it shows, a goodwill gesture. It shows the faith. You know what this reminds me of? And I don't want to get too political here, but if I've been fought, you know, if you, everyone knows the war in Ukraine, the, the Russia deal, and, and we've got the uh, Jen Psaki is the, um, is the White House press secretary who does the press conferences every day. And they ask her, why does no one what's why can't we produce more gas here at home and 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 uh, drill more here at home we all know this is a very complex subject right. she her answer is always there are 9000 oil and gas leases available to companies to start drilling right now and they they refuse to take advantage of them and that, at, at face value that sounds like a good answer on her part and maybe it is in their camp but if you do digging on that no one, first off, there were 30, 40,000 leases, you know, under the previous administration. They've cut it to 9,000 since they've taken office, and there's tons of uh, red tape associated with those. Long story short, the gas and oil companies don't want to take on those leases and make those investments because they're on the hook. They're on the hook for the, for if it goes bad or if it profits. And under the current climate, they're not willing to take that gamble. And exactly what we're seeing here in ProMod is no one is willing to take that gamble and build a car to invest in, in funding an operation to go ProMod racing when there is so much uncertainty around how NHRA is going to treat the class. So again, when they say one thing as far as where this money goes or the investment or they see a bright future, you know, behind the scenes, the until we see a goodwill gesture or something of good faith or that NHRA truly cares about where this is headed, I think you're going to see that same reluctance from these teams to I agree, to it. especially because there's a couple things that I think we need to touch on. And uh, I want to <clears throat> remind everybody a huge shout out to all of our sponsors here on the West Buck Show. Stroud Safety over my shoulder right now, our good friends at flowracing.com. Get your subscription right now, flowracing.com slash drag illustrated. Elite HP, Sand Haulers of America, and the most recent member of the family, Redline Synthetic Oils. Thank you guys so much for your support and belief in what we're trying to do here uh, in the sport of drag racing and for the sport of drag racing. There's a couple things that I think are worth talking about as far as this subject goes and as we kind of wrap up today's show, and I appreciate your guys' time. It's been a, a lot of fun to have like kind of a really deep dive conversation. This is These are the type of conversations I love having on this show. It's great to have a bunch of guests, but man, sometimes I just want to I, I want to really get in there and like dive deep. And I feel like that's what we're doing today. Uh, one of the things that I immediately thought about when I thought about administrative fees or whatever is associated that whatever that entry fee is supposedly used for, if they would have added like, and that's, you know, Hey, that's how you get your TV time. We're going to add you to the, to the Fox show or whatever. We're going to have a, a special five minute segment during our Fox broadcast. What it goes to yeah. Like, or like say, Hey, we, we can't stop charging this $1,500, whatever. It's part of our, it's inside of our business model or what I, I, you, I know how those things work. They've already got that money earmarked or whatever. It's already spent. But if they could find a way to say like, hey, you're going to have to pay $1,500 a race, but now you're going to be on the main Fox broadcast. You're going to be on Big Fox. Now, we can't show every round of racing, but we're going to do a tight, concise five 
seven minute type of thing or four minute thing, whatever. Um, to I understand there's a limited inventory of time during one of those shows, but give something back. Like you're saying, Mike, give some sort of goodwill gesture, something, make an investment. If you can't make an investment financially, make it in pomp and circumstance, make it in exposure, right? Make it in parking, make it in scheduling. You talk about uncertainty. Do you realize these teams this past weekend, most of them are a thousand miles minimum from home, right? They spent all this money, their truck and trailers buried in mud. They've had to, as we talked, go to Home Depot and buy blue tarps and plywood to park on right? Their shoes are ruined. Their clothes are ruined. They're miserable. Porta potties are full because the pumper trucks are filling up, you know, pumped full of pond water. I mean, it rough weekend, especially if you were down there on the grass, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be a J.R. Gray, a guy who's made a massive investment in pro mod drag racing, really kept Mike Janis racing out out here, you know, um, whenever Mike had a, a health incident that pulled him out of the car. I mean, we've got the, the Bahrain One team, Stevie Jackson, Justin Bond, Kyle Al-Belushi, a three-car operation, right? You got Ricky Smith back in the fold, bringing a new face into the class, and Tyler Miller. I mean, you got Lyle Barnett out here that's like probably one of the best and most celebrated and beloved stories and characters in our sport, right? They were told, I believe on Saturday, if you guys don't run by 5.30-ish, if we don't get you guys run by 5.30, you're not going to get to run right? I mean, they had to hear that. I mean, at one point in time, they were saying, hey, we're going to run your first round of qualifying Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And then we want to bring you guys back up at noon and run first round. And it's like, man, you guys are really just going to try just trying to get rid of us, right? You're just trying to get us out of here. You're just trying to get us down to eight cars or get it down to a, a, a smaller program. And I get that part of that, that has to be done, right? I mean, you got to run the cars. You got to get people sent home. You got you to do it. But damn, man, I mean, you talk about, okay, you're going to charge me. You ain't going to pay me. And now you're going to tell me you don't know when I get to run. I might not get to run. And if I do get to run, I'm probably going to have to run at nine o'clock in the morning, probably be the first cars down the track, probably going to wreck my shit, probably going to have to race in front of nobody. My TV show is not going to be on for two weeks, if at all. Like, have yeah. we checked a single? Oh, I got to do $20,000 with the upgrades to my car to even be here to race that I wouldn't have to do if I wanted to race PDRA, Northeast Outlaw Pro Rod, NMCA, Midwest Pro Drag Racing Series. I can go race anywhere else and not have to do that stuff. But to come race here, I got to, right? But I want to run a quarter mile and I want to run against the best in the world. I want to run in front of big crowds. I get it. But man, you are just, I think we They're have- making well, you, 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 They're making it hard. They're making it hard, You've asked those racers to come all the way to you. And you've got to make one step to get to them. Right. Just make that one step. One good, one good faith gesture, one show that we hear you, we care. And it will start to change the momentum and the perception and everything will change. And you can't, it's like a game of chicken. No one wants to make that, that move and it's or whatever. Funny because I think that's what we're at already, right now, which is going to come first. The, racers to do the a chicken lot. or the egg. Like, yeah. and I think like, cause I, I think that, I mean, is there, do they believe that like getting a sponsor is going to fix everything? I don't think a class sponsor is necessarily going to fix anything. There was a class sponsor the last two years and all these same things were happening. You know what I mean? And I know that there's a lot of things we can point at. I mean, inside the, comp uh, the competitionplus.com article, I believe Stevie Jackson uh, a handful of times uh, talked about how, man, they, they kind of let the pro charger combination run away with things. That, you know, there were some things. parody yep. issues that didn't help. But my thought on that is those things are easily skirted. Like you're going to have those situations. Before. And that's have happened before. That's, that's promod. Pro it's going to happen again. It's going to happen is, again. That literally is promod is managing these various power adders. So, see, I don't think that's a valid. We can't point to that yeah. because that's always the case. I mean, before it was the pro chargers, it was the turbo cars. I mean, 
before, before that, them, it was nitrous cars were fast, blower yeah. cars were fast. I mean, then it was the hemi-headed cars versus the wedge-headed car. I mean, there's always been that, right? Um, there's always been that. There's always going to be that. One of these combinations, parity, by all accounts, I mean, in, in my opinion, is an illusion. I mean, what you're trying to do out there is you're trying to create the illusion of parity. You're trying to make it look like there's a level playing field. But there's so many variables. I mean, I, I, there's variables in the same combination, I mean, racer A with a roots blown Hemi and a 2,650 pound pro mod, he may not be willing to run his, run the rods out of his car the way Billy Stockland and Stevie Jackson are. Same exact combination, yeah, same so weight, we probably go, make the we same power. show on parity, but if you right look now. at in these crazy ass conditions we had at Florida, the parity was pretty good. You look, I think it, so. I think they've got it. And, and we have lauded NHRA and their tech department over the over the last couple of years. They have done an excellent job for um, parity outside of this Pro Charger deal. But I think they've they've worked to get a handle on it. It wasn't easy and it was expensive for these guys. And I think that that's what Stevie's saying is the problem when it comes to attendance um, and racer and car count. But as far as when you look at this number, I'm looking at the summary of eliminations right now in ProMod. It was a damn good show, and it was competitive throughout. All combinations had a had had a uh, a car in the hunt. I really think, and I mean, I was talking earlier about Pro Stock in a lot of ways. I think stealing the show, but man, Pro Mod for only being sixteen cars there, whatever we lacked in quantity, we sure as hell made up for in quality. I mean, it was the quality of the show was fantastic. I mean, we didn't have. You know, there wasn't a lame duck in the again, mix. People right? want to. This is why, when you look at this and we talk about that, it's a shame that it's on. It's in this position of of poor health. And so, I think the the passion's there, the enthusiasm is there. Obviously, we're passionate, enthusiastic about it. That's why we've just gone off into a well. I mean, and I, I want to kind of wrap this part of the show up, guys. Here as we uh, wind down today's episode of the West Buck Show, I want to thank you guys, Mike, JT. Thank you guys for being here, and of course, all y'all for tuning in and watching. I, I would ask you help us spread the word. We talk about it every week that uh, we're here to spread the gospel of drag racing, to, to sing the praises of this sport and the men and women that do it, all the people that contribute to making it what it is. But it takes all of us, and it certainly is going to take your help. So please tell somebody about our show. Tell somebody about Drag Illustrated Magazine. S send somebody a link. Share the, I think, word of mouth uh, marketing. Word of mouth is still such a powerful medium. So tell somebody about what you're listening to on Wednesday afternoons or whenever you do it because we'd love to have them be a part of the conversation. Lastly, I had a guy walk up to me, and I'm. this is how we'll close, guys. Uh, I had a guy walk up to me, uh, and I'll, he was an official, right? Uh, and he asked me from NHRA, and he goes, man, how did you guys raise all that money? like for World Series of Pro Mod. I mean, our event in 2017, 18, and 19, that event uh, at uh, Denver, Colorado was 100000 to win for Pro Modifieds. Uh, now, it was winner take all, but it was also, there was no entry fee, right? No charge for testing, nothing like that, right? And what about the door slammers? The World Door Slammer Nationals. Uh, we, we paid 50000 to win. We paid to qualify. We paid all the way back. That was um, as impressive as the hundred thousand to win. Right. I mean, we paid three thousand to qualify. I think that's what it would have paid pro to run around. And pro stock. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. uh, yeah. So uh, and, and I mean, and the question posed to me was like, how did you guys raise all that money? And I said, Man, it's it, it's pretty simple. We we paid almost all of it back to the racers. And that's what nobody wants to hear. That's the dirty little secret. Like, and I don't think that any of these racers or any of these sponsors expect the NHRA or me or, you know, our organization, like they, they don't expect us just to take it on the chin and lose our asses, right? They want us to make money. I mean, I think they, I've had racers donate their purse back to the pot. 
I mean, there was a multitude. I'll never forget Rick Horde, uh, a high-level pro mod guy. I went to go give him his payout check somewhere. He didn't come pick it up, and he told me just to tear it up or keep it. And I said, really? He was, no, man, I want you to keep it. I don't, you know, I want you to, I'd rather you have it, you know? And I thought, wow, that's the type of people that exist out here. It's an yeah. incredible you're thing. that when you, when you picked up the phone to make these calls or, or when we all did to these companies to ask them to support our race, we, our first line was that this is going to the racers. Yeah. So that, I mean, they understand that we're going to have costs. They right. understand that we're going to, you know, I mean, I, I think well, we got to put on a show. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. they understand. I mean, I spent $15,000 on freaking guardrail covers and pop-up awnings and flags. You know right. what I mean? I think I spent $30,000 flying all your asses down there and a dozen people in hotels. I mean, it's expensive, most right? Of that I mean, most of that went to JT. Most of that went to JT's bar tab, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, I get it. And, and the NHRA has all those expenses times a zillion, right? But the, the secret part of that equation, the magic, is it was going in the hands of racers. The, you know, C-Tech, Jegs, all the companies that we had step up and sponsor us in a big way, right? Major league sponsorships uh, that I would argue rival, you know, any single event sponsorship amount that's ever been raised for a singular event, especially an independent one. The way we were able to do that, and the only way it happens, is pay it all to the racers. I mean, I had people multiple times tell me, like, man, you know, why are you paying out so much? Seems like you're kind of, well, that's that's the only way I can, well, A, that's how you excite the racers, right? That's how you get media attention, right? And and that's how you, like, literally, that's how you get people to give you money, is yep. when they know that it's going to the right place. They don't They don't expect you to take none. They right. don't take, they understand there's got to, there's some bread that needs to be buttered, Right. But when the bulk of the bread, when the bulk of it is going to the racers, the people who deserve it, the people who are putting on the show, the people that buy the tools, buy the parts, support the industry, keep this whole world spinning. When the bulk of it goes there, it's pretty easy to raise money. And that's the problem is that there's not a belief system that if a big title rights sponsor comes into NHRA, there's not a belief system that that money is going to go back to the racers. There's not a belief system that, I mean, even a large percentage of it is going to go back to the racers. I think there's a belief system that less than half of it, if any of it, is going to go back to the racers. And that is going to be, when I see in articles, you know, it has to be self-sustainable. We got to sell sponsorships. We got to get some sponsors. We're looking for sponsors. You can make that a lot easier and happen a lot faster. There are people in that class right now that I think would write a check. There are people inside that class right now that I know without a shadow of a doubt would step up with some sort of sponsorship money or some sort of special prize money or what have you if they knew that a bulk of that money was going to go back to the racers, right? And maybe here in 2022 when you're trying to reestablish confidence and you're trying to win people over and you're trying to prove that you believe ProMod has a, has a bright future in the ProMod, in the NHRA? Maybe you maybe you got to put it all back in, right? Because I got to tell you what, there have been several, I've been in business for myself, guys, for 16 years, right? Um, and you learn a lot, right? I feel like I'm still a relatively young man. Um, I hope that I am, and I think I've got a lot of life left to live. Um, but I look back at the last 16 years, and there have been multiple instances where I've had to invest, and I've had to go in the hole, right? Or, or go the wrong way, right? Or go sign the dotted line at a bank somewhere because I believe, because I believe, believe there was a bright future for my business and I was willing to put my neck on the line to go achieve that, to go make that a reality, right? To bring that, that vision. I believed that something had a bright future. I was willing to put my own wellness financially on the line 
and then pursue proving that, right? And I think that we are at a moment right now, a juncture, something that we'll look back on as a moment where the NHRA needs to to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, I mean, gotta, I think you got to pay up, these right? guys. You got to, and I don't think you got to. You don't got to pay them fifty thousand dollars to win like Victor Alvarez down in Bradenton, right? You know what I mean? You don't got to do a hundred thousand to win like we did out on Thunder Mountain with the Bandemir family. You don't have to. It'd be great if you did, but you don't have to. You got to make these people feel. There's like no humans. reason that 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 we can do it, that Victor can do it, and the NHRA can't fucking do it. You want to I mean, know how? I, the, I, I, I mean, the way you, Victor I, does it is he takes that entry fee and he throws it in the till. Exactly, like, it goes into exactly. the pot. It's, right, it's like, then, it's like when you're when you get a grant to get your streets done. Yes, you know and you go. Oh, we're gonna get new streets. We got this huge grant, right? No, the grant money goes in, and then your city pulls out the money from the bottom end. You know, they, yeah, they take, I mean, they and take it's their money back, and, you, and so you still have the same budget. But so the, like, my like, thought on entry fees is the way I see that working, especially, and this isn't across the board, but when you're talking pro level drag racing and the stuff that you need on the racetrack to sell tickets, right? Um, there are plenty segments of our sport that are entirely participant driven. I mean, when you see a million to win at a bracket race, they sold enough entry fees to cover the million. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's all math. It's all math. It's all on a spreadsheet. And it's a little different deal when it comes to like the, the situation the NHRA faces. But like going back to the example of Victor Alvarez down in Bradenton, he sees that entry fee as help to get to the number, to get to the goal. So like if he wants to pay 50,000 to win and he's going to run a 32 car pro mod race and he's going to charge, let's just say, I don't know what the entry fee was, but let's just say it's a thousand bucks to enter the snowbird outlaw nationals this year in December. Um, if it's a thousand bucks and he takes 32 cars or 50 cars last year, they took 50 to celebrate the 50th anniversary. That's a $50,000 running start at your purse. In the instance, in the case of last year's Outlaw Snowbird, Snowbird Outlaw Nationals, that's how he paid the purse or whatever. You know what I mean? I think it was a thousand bucks to enter. He had 50 cars, so he's got 50 grand, right? And that makes it, I mean, it, it just and makes it easier, man. He may still have to go else. sell a sponsorship, yeah, well, but yeah, then he's got to he gotta staff it. And, and yeah, Right. But I mean, then you go sell and, a sponsorship yeah. to, right. let's just say, uh, Joe Blow's toothpaste, right? Instead of having to go hit Joe I Blow up, that's horrible. it's very bad. <laughs> when, when you go hit up Joe Blow Toothpaste to sponsor the Pro Mod race, you don't got to hit him up for 75 grand so that you can make 20 and you can pay out 50 or whatever, right? And, and have a little bit of churn, you know what I mean? A little slush fund. You can go hit him up for 10 grand or you can go hit him up for 20, right? And, and you're able to pay your money and make a little bit. Everybody's happy. Nobody's the wiser. I'm not saying it's like a secretive thing, but that's the play, right? We expect everybody expects them to make some money. I mean, like yeah, everybody you can't do it for free. Right. No, man, no. Well, hey guys, hell of a show. I'm glad um, we had that conversation, though. Felt you know that's it's been weighing on me. That needed to be touched on. Yeah, yeah. For it's been sure. weighing and on me and passion, man. That's what it's all about. That's what's always driven Pro Mod from the start. And these guys are still there. It's just up and to, the, the NHRA better recognize how lucky they are because yep. there will be people. They've gone back to the well so many times. And they just and I, I honestly think in many ways the pro mod well has run dry. And I and I and I really think as we wrap this up, uh, I've got one more thing I'd like to notice. And this was or mention, and this is something I noticed inside the competitionplus.com article was one of the other things, the, the elephant in the room is that this situation that we just outlined is even is is intensified. It's the the negative impact of it or the problem that this is 
because there's so many badass options to run a pro mod right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, the Midwest Drag Racing earlier, Series rolls yeah. into Extreme Raceway Park for the Texas Extreme Nationals this coming weekend. Uh, I mean, it's 10000 to win in pro mod. I mean, the PDRA started the season coming up the first weekend in April, April 7th through 9th. The PDRA East Coast Nationals out in Benson, North Carolina at Galat Motorsports Park. I mean, you got 7500 to win in Pro Boost, 7500 to win in Pro Nitrous. I mean, I think they pay out $300,000 or something like that every event for Pro Mods. And it's like when you've got options like that, you got the NMCA putting on, you know, however many races, eight races in 2022, having a big old championship banquet at the PRI show. There's a lot of good opportunities, a lot of places to go run a Pro Mod right now. And not have to park in the weeds, not have to not know when you're going to run, not have to come up with your own purse money. I mean, there's a lot of great opportunities to be able to race. Yeah, you're the star of that show. show. You're you're the star of that show. You know, and so you consider all those factors and it makes it even more of an uphill battle for the NHRA right now. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. The quarter mile, it's the ultimate, it, it is the universal yardstick in the sport of drag racing. NHRA Pro Mod, in my opinion, still to this day, despite whatever woes and issue, uh, issues exist right now, it is the ultimate proving ground for fast door slammer racing. It is. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm that's not trying to. That's the allure of it. That's, that's the, the allure, allure of, it. If, of that class. What happened? People get pissed when I do this, and this actually caused a, a big, a multi year, um, uh, rub between me and another guy, no, uh, but I'm going to say it, it again. Uh, I'm going to, it's a different take on it. What happens when Ricky Smith goes to pretty much any other race? Anybody? Nobody wants to say it. Uh, he wins. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I mean, I mean you know what I mean? Like, if, if Jose Gonzalez shows up at, at a local regional pro mod race, what's going to happen? He He's going to be, in the final, he's probably going to qualify in the top two or three cars. I mean, I'm not, and that's not... Yeah, this is the conversation we had over the weekend. This is just real. I mean, if yeah. you're really being honest, these are the baddest pro mod guys on the planet Earth. They are the best in the world at what they do. There are those of them that it's what they do for a living. Stevie Fast Jackson, racing pro mod is his job, right? right. Racing and tuning pro mods is his job. It's his career. It's his business. And I just think that I don't... This class, the NHRA Pro Mod, should, is and should continue to be the final frontier, the ultimate proving ground for fast door slammer drag racing. The NHRA has had it by the tail for many, many years, but that thing's trying to wrestle away from them right now. And they need to, they need to get another hand on there. And I tell you what, they could probably tame that wild cat with a few dollars and a couple of stiff drinks and a little bit of pats on the back and, 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 and back rubs. You know, make these people feel appreciated. Make these people feel like they're part of the, part of the party. Right, that they're invited, they're welcome, they're wanted, and I think it would go a, a really, really, really long way, guys. Uh, let's uh, wrap this thing up. Heck of a show today, uh, fun one. We got we got a lot going on in the coming weeks, guys. Stay tuned. The brand new issue of Drag Illustrated Magazine, issue one hundred and seventy five, coming out next week. Um, really exciting cover. A guy that I can't wait to talk to about being on the cover. I was actually involved in the the cover story more so than I normally am this year was part of one of the the people that conducted some of the interviews and this is going to be a fantastic story and it's actually going to set the stage for some really great episodes of this show uh we've got all sorts of stuff coming up like I said the Midwest Drag Racing Series rolling into Extreme Raceway Park we are a couple what a week or so removed from the NHRA making their annual spring trip 
out to Las Vegas for the uh, four wide nationals, which will be really exciting. I'm not sure if I'm going to go out there or not. Uh, we'll soon may see the NHRA roll into Phoenix here shortly. As I said, the PDRA season getting ready to kick off, man. There's uh, we're in the throes of it, guys. We're in the heat of battle and it's exciting, yep. man. I appreciate you all being here. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Off, the season's off to an awesome start. It sure feels like it, man. I was trying to play some theme music for us as we, uh, yeah, do you want me and JT to like here. sing or something to get let's us do, out of here? Let's do, let's do like some sort of clap or no, maybe we could develop dance moves that we each do. I can't straighten my arm out. I did get, so you, you could do the robot, man. I got 30 extra degrees of rotate. How about my zip tie? I, I, I had to zip tie it. I had to tell him like, Hey man, something's wrong with this brace. Like, I think it needs a better way to stop it from unlocking, but I got, I can go to 60 degrees now. It makes me nervous every time. Man, that doesn't it. look like 30. It looks I, less. I went from I 90 to 60. No, I got more. Huh. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Makes me nervous, though. Flex. Like my, <laughs> my, my stomach starts to sink as soon as that happens, dude. It drives me crazy. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate all of our sponsors. Again, log on to dragillustrator.com. Make sure you check out the magazine. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Follow us on social media, and we will see you at the drag races. Thanks, y'all. Later.